0: Combat time! Combat
1: time!
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of Combat Time. I am one of your hosts, Yasin. And I'm joined by Josh. Hello. And Jake. Hello, hello. How's it going, everybody? What's going on?
3: it's, it's going on? It's got, know,
1: it's, a, it's going, man. It's going. It's a
3: beautiful, hot
1: August day here in the ATL.
3: Little little balmy. Um, yeah. You know, I've been sitting out my deck with very little on, uh, except for a misting fan spraying you know, <laughs> uh, blessed water on my skin uh and reading <laughs> reading very great literature uh, yes the best literature a, a upcoming episode <laughs>
1: yep the best literature josh
3: it really is it's not only that it's a tale over time but expanded because it takes the the essence of mortal Kombat and it adds so much depth and layers to it uh and in case you're wondering what the hell we're talking about right uh, we're talking about the 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 mk comics or at least the first leg of them uh this might be a multi-part uh series where uh we took a, take a look into uh all the comic runs that have occurred uh detailing Mortal Kombat and we're going to start out with of course John Tobias's initial uh prelude to the games and then the first run of Malibu Comics uh go yeah, well, at well, the series
2: what we're going to what we're trying to do is that we're trying to kind of uh bunch everything together based on the game so like right now we're going to try to do as much of the comics that deal with MK1 as we can, um, I will say we did end up reading some stuff that ends up being, like, MK2-related. Uh, More or as less. some characters from that show up. Um, they, kind,
1: they kind of blend in together to a degree. Yeah.
2: Because, um, I mean, for the most part, they didn't really start doing comics until after MK2. Yeah. So, yeah. it kind of is just all one... Big story uh kind of uh but yeah we, we we read the first uh the first comic from john tobias from the midway ones. that's the one that we started with and honestly honestly that one is just it's kind of reminiscent of the 2021 movie where it's everything's setting up to the mortal Kombat tournament but we'd never see it
1: yeah the first one is definitely it may as well be an ad because it's john tobias saying like hey guys there's this like game it's called Mortal Kombat and you're a person that read comics before you plays vi- before you play video games hey you should totally play this game it's called Mortal Kombat it yeah.
3: literally is an ad because it ends with uh, continue the adventures in the Mortal Kombat video game yeah
1: the entire thing is a delightful setup like it, it you know what's kind of funny reading that particular one it made me realize, oh, so this, so this whole setup is what the first mo- movie could have had in it, didn't have in it, and it makes me wonder if, like, the writers for the '95 movie actually read that John Tobias comic, at least if nothing else, as a reference in some way. Like, I, I, well, I think it's very that I mean, interesting how
3: how reminiscent the movie is of this comic with like the the initial setup of all the fighters uh, assembled on the boat you know right which is the dragon boat thing
2: which was that in the that wasn't in in the games right no nowhere so yeah the whole yeah that boat the leaky boat that in in the movie comes from this comic
3: yeah i mean there's a lot of things from this comic run that we'll discover uh get evolved later on uh and and all the ones we touch on and uh, it's kind of cool
1: and it's kind of cool cool to look at the differences because when i was reading that thing I was noticing just all the little differences that the movie had that the comic. Well, I guess I uh, like I should rephrase that that the comic had that the movie did not, and it makes sense because if you're making a movie out of it, you would adapt it, but you probably would omit certain things for the sake of like budget, time, and story progression and pacing. Uh, But it just I find it funny that Tobias's mind was where it was at when he was like when he was writing this, Um, and I guess just for notes to like uh, this this particular comic we're talking about tobias actually wrote andrew most of it and i guess we'll find out that actually uh, kind of funny enough tobias i'm not going to sit here and say it's the best artist ever but for comics he's all right like his his, his paneling was pretty okay it's easy on the eyes i'm not going to say it's award winningly good or anything but it's easy on the eyes you can read it the colors are contrasty enough to where you can tell what's going on. It's an easy read. There's nothing really hard about it. I'm,
3: I'm going to go out here and say that his art and uh, the first comic, the the Canon MK1 previewed comic, is pretty much better than anything that came after. Oh, dude! <laughs> <totally>. <laughs> I, for me, I mean, degree, I, like yeah. his,
2: I like his style of art. Like, I like his character yeah. design. So, i I loved reading that one. And yeah, compared to some of the ones that we're going to talk about later. Yeah, I think his his comic was a lot – was the easiest to read and the most pleasing to the eyes, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But admittedly, it sets the – he sets the bar really, really low. Like, he's like, okay, I'm going to write a short issue because by comic standards, that thing is a short issue. You can blow through it in probably less than 10 minutes um, just reading yeah, it. Yeah, let's see. I um, got it
3: right here. It's but, like fucking 18 pages. Yeah,
1: which is – that's low for an American comic. Um, but at the same time, you know, because he set the bar so low for himself, he still crossed it and he still made it with absolute success, in my opinion. So, yeah, like, I, I really don't have much criticisms for that first issue from my end other than it knows what it is it knows what it wants to be. Tobias drew it. So, he knows what he wants everything to look like because he's one of the architects of Mortal Kombat. So yeah, I mean, there's not really. I would
2: say he's probably the architect as far as he, like he. Pretty much, yeah. Like, he came up with all the lore and you know the characters yeah. and stuff. Like I feel like that like, he is he is the
3: heart yeah. behind Mortal Kombat. He's the guy in the ice cream suit that you meet when you get to the end of the Matrix and it's like there are two doors. <laughs> 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 it's true. <laughs> One will lead you into the 3D era of games. Oh God! <laughs> Other, <laughs> um,
1: but still, like uh, fun differences of it. Uh, I, I do think it's kind of cool. Like it makes me sort of really appreciate the '95 movie even more than art. Like us three already do for a multitude of reasons. Because That's it, uh, you know, there's things there in this comic that are very clearly spelled out about how the original crew kind of like came together. Uh, for this tournament, that made it into the '95 movie, and then why they're portrayed the way that they are. And when I think about it, it just makes the movie just better because we know that Tobias's ideas and his idea of the lore really did have a positive influence on the first '95 movie. I actually just will I, I will always think that's actually really cool because that shows that a creator and his ideas can translate into film. You know, if done like if adapt, if, if adapted correctly.
3: Yeah, I think it's apparent that, that that when they were making the movie that they looked to this comic and to, like, Tobias's notes for, for inspiration. And there's stuff that didn't make it into the game that made it into the movie that was kind of, like, borrowed from the comics. Uh, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. The whole, like, ten, win ten tournaments in a row thing, wasn't that mentioned in Blood and Thunder? Because now, like, a whole fucking, like, five days after reading it, I can't remember.
2: Honestly, Josh, I, I can't remember say either. But I believe it is. I remember. Yeah. Uh
3: you know, the whole essence of the tournament. Is, is tra- it, in the first game it was oh here comes my dog. Um, <laughs> in the first game it was you know it was used, Mortal Kombat was a Shaolin tournament, and then right. Shengsheng corrupted it and took it over. Yeah, but in like the the later games, Mortal Kombat is this thing that's been eternal, defending you know the 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 existence of the Earth realm. I
2: mean, still, the they still comp- they still talk about you know the fact that. I think they do talk about the, the fact that if he in, wins the tournament, then Shao Kahn will enter the realm. Right. Uh, I don't know if they if they necessarily say 10 in this one, in Blood and Thunder.
3: I think it might be in Blood and
2: Thunder where they mention that. Yeah, I don't think it's in this one.
1: I think they do actually mention the comic, which is something that, I, like admittedly, I didn't know this till much later on, but I love the fact that in the comics it was very prevalent there. Um, is the idea that originally um, Goro, w- like, was the champion of Mortal Kombat, won, like, all the tournaments slowly ever, and the original Kung Lao uh, actually challenged him uh, to defend uh, the uh, the Order... Like, is it the Order of Light you seen? The, uh, uh, the, the group that... Yeah, the that- Order of Light.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah well, he was part of of the- well, Liu Kang was part of the Secret Society of the White Lotus.
3: Yeah, there's the White Lotus Society... And then the order of light is separate from that, and that's where he aligned himself with later. Yeah. It's like it's like related but not the same thing. They're not they're not interchangeable.
1: And I do actually think it's kind of cool that they address that part, because I don't think I'm the only one, but when Kung Lao first came on the scene in MK2, and then you find out that, you know, Liu Kang, he says it in the ninety five movie, is a descendant of Kung Lao. I'm like, wait, but if Kung Lao is an MK2 and Kung Lao and Lu King is a descendant, does that mean that like Kung Lao is immortal or something? And I was often, you know, at the first, I was very, very confused until I learned that, no, this guy named Kung Lao just ha- just carries the same name, but he is not the same person that lost to Goro those many, many, many eons ago, right. like during the original MK tournament. So. Which I
3: love how they, 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 they talk about that in, in uh, the comics. With they it, do. And Blood and Thunder and Prince of Pain, which we'll get to. Uh, yeah, they do. I mean, Kung Lao's front and center.
2: I'm sorry, I'm trying to look through to see if they actually do mention that it's ten tournaments.
3: Yeah, I. it's like, I, I, I've read all the comics. I started early, so already some of it's like, you know, just fucking turn into mush in my brain. In my <laughs> fucking monkey brain. Well, Josh, I mean it's like I know it was mentioned at some point.
1: Well, Josh, I mean I like I can't blame you for that because one thing that we'll also get to is the absolute award winning Oscar worthy dialogue that you find in these comics. It is absolutely it is an absolute treasure trove of cringe and I'll be honest, I had so much damn fun with this. Like I was I was on my couch eating dinner just giggling the whole time
3: referencing food what were you eating for dinner (laughs) i can't remember actually did you have cheetos and coke
1: (laughs) that josh that would be cheetos and coke not cheetos not or cheese it's cheese it's and coke oh cheese it's
3: i'm sorry yes yeah
1: yeah. no josh did not have cheeses and coke i was probably eating something healthy like i don't know like salmon and salad or something i don't know Mm, oh that's boring Yeah, it is boring. I never remember anything I eat healthy, but I do remember the unhealthy things I eat, like a baked potato with sour cream and chives and butter. So No,
3: man, baked potatoes are butter. essential to your diet. I don't know about the butter and the sour butter. cream. But, you know. <laughs> and butter. You <laughs> have uh, to uh, mention uh, the butter. <laughs> that was Craig's decree. It can't be called butter in this house. It has to be called butter. Exactly.
1: <laughs> it has to be B-U-T-T-A, butter. That's P-H. how. Yeah. And, and you uh, know what? I, it's totally appropriate that I would be eating that food while reading this comic. Because this comic was unhealthy for my brain as the food hmm. was. And it was wonderful. It was... You yes, so well, the first one? It was... No, 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 no. no, 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 one, I'm, no, think, no I'm not talking uh, about the first I definitely
3: talking about Blood and Thunder. Because the first one's a very basic, even the writing. But Blood and Thunder is where... It's Saturday morning cartoon tier.
2: Yeah, but I, I mean, I want to cover some things in the in the first Midway right, yeah, comic. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there, I mean, like we were saying, there were differences. Like for this, for example, it was a Shaolin tournament that was corrupted by Shang Tsung once he won.
3: Right, and that's and, all canon to the first game.
2: Right, uh, and then he's uh, using the tournament to stay eternal, but he's also a grandmaster now of the tournament.
3: Yeah, it's like because he's the champion or whatever, he gets to hold a title. I also love how, like, uh, his is the in the first fucking uh, page, his young version pretty much is a precursor to what he would look like in MK two.
2: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, and you know, Great Kung Lao. I mean, this is the first time you see him, and that's <laughs> the image they used for MK twenty one. Right. Um, Confirming that that was Great Kung Lao in that mural. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Raiden gets invited
3: by Shang Tsung shanks and, like goes out into the into the ocean or something like that and and it's invites... like out in the, out somewhere in japan because raiden's a japanese thunder god yeah right uh it's just like out in the in the the fucking what does it say like the not the wastelands but like out in the the wilds of ancient japan or whatever yeah uh very, well, here, like... here it is deep in the mountain vastness of rural japan <laughs> um But, like, yeah, that's canon to the first game because Raiden wasn't a protector and all that. He was just, like, a god who didn't give a fuck until some sorcerer was like, hey, hey, you want to come fight?
2: I just, man, that, I will never get over that revelation in the first game.
3: Oh, have
2: a nice day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, I will say the thing that I love the most is that it goes from, like, uh, you know, you do the history of, you know, the tournament with Shang Tsung and you know Great Kung Lao and then you fast forward to today and you know Liu King is asking for asking for permission to like go and represent the temple in the yeah. tournament and then it cuts to Johnny Cage and you know it's Johnny Cage's story of like you know wanting to prove himself and uh, his agent and his secretary are telling him don't go there's no point no one ever heard of this tournament why are you doing this and Johnny Cage is like no I'm gonna do this this is my chance to shine um and then it cuts, and it becomes an '80s action movie with Kano running away from the law.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> honestly, I, I I kind of love that because it basically takes the same. Like, it really is fascinating to like look at that comic and then compare it to the '95 movie because a lot of it was adapted, but you know, at the same time. Different Because, I mean, what? Like, Johnny Cage, like, even when he's about to get on the leaky boat, his, I guess, his secretary and his agent are, like, begging him not to go on yeah. the dang thing. They're practically just begging him not to do it. And he's like, nah, man, sure. He's like, got a movie
2: that he has to film, like, soon or something like
1: that. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah or soon or something like that. But he's like, nah, man, this is, like, this, this will only take, like, a little bit. But the way that, in the 95 movie, they make it a bit more, I guess, heavy. Because Johnny Cage is labeled a fraud from that newspaper clipping that you see, like, three times in the movie. And then his Sifu or his master even tells him, like, hey, you should go to this tournament because you'll win the respect, only to find out that Shang Chung is, like, basically Shang just pulling song. his teeth, um, you know, exactly. because he, trans- he transformed into him. So I like the way that they kind of did it. But Sonya's, man, that's, that's just funny because, like, it's, you it's know... It's great
2: because it, it keeps the urgency of, like... Because mm-hmm. uh, in the comic, they're chasing after him that he kind of, you know outmaneuvers them and then jumps from his bike (laughs) onto the boat uh, and just barely gets on and it's it kind of has a similar thing where they are like those two are the last ones to get on the boat as well in the movie
3: yeah yeah it's it's very i'm pretty sure the movie took from this oh absolutely they made it less action movie setup it's just well no there was an action movie setup. the whole hong kong well i mean
2: here's the thing but like the 95 movie, all it had to go off of were the two games and then the comics. So of course they're right. going to, and then, you know, I don't, I don't even know how much like, uh, collaboration like Tobias and, Ed Boone and the rest of the team had in the movie. I think they were advising. Yeah. At the very, at the very least. So yeah, I, I just, that's probably my favorite part of the, the whole thing is just Kano's, Kano in these books is ridiculous. And <laughs> I kind of love him in these books. Like
1: uh, yeah, he he's he's the best character like pretty much in in Raiden Kano Blood and Thunder um and this one um yeah I, he he's been my favorite character to watch because he's sort of like. He's sort of basically a no-nonsense dude who's just calling everybody on their bullshit, and it's just fun. It's just fun to watch a character do that when everybody's yeah. in this high and mighty place of like, "I will rule the world," or "No, you will not rule the world." The you know the goodness of light in your heart will prevail through all. And Kano's like, "Shut up!" Kano <laughs> has this. his own
3: religion. He has his own religion. His religion is, "I am, I am corrupt."
1: yes pretty much
3: I I will betray everybody and actually I had some enlightenment with him because like I remember saying like his original concept was to be like half Japanese because of his name Kano uh, until like the movie came about but it's like the the bio at the end of the Tobias comic pretty much states no he's American he was born to an American woman who Mm -hmm. abandoned him and he was raised in in Tokyo in in, like I don't know Tokyo, Japan. well that's the thing I think the bio at the end of the Tobias comic says Japan but later on in, like, Raiden and Kano, it says he was, like, an orphan in Hong Kong. Let me look. Yeah, uh, yeah, which, which is... interesting. Yeah, like,
1: nope. Oh, go ahead. Uh, is he, is he has
3: yeah, Tokyo,
2: yeah, Tokyo. Yeah,
3: Tokyo. Yeah, Tokyo. But they mention Hong Kong later, and that might just be a fuck-up or something. Maybe, yeah. Or, you know, Maybe he's a, you know, very worldly guy. He, like, after Japan, he, he fucking hopped a, you know convoy or something and ended up doing crime shit in Hong Kong. I don't know. Which, uh, you know, that origin could work because,
1: obviously, because of the movie, they retconned him to be Australian, but I mean...
3: I mean, he could have been Australian to begin with. The point is he's an orphan with no background and he grew up in the East. Yeah, Crime underground shit. So, it it works.
2: So, yeah, I mean, the rest of the comic is basically um, they get on the boat, there's like clashes between people, Sub-Zero's, like, creepily looking over on top, like, over everybody... He, he's, yeah he's stalking, stalking he's stalking everybody he's stalking everybody
1: while like stroking his beard he doesn't have like he's just observing everything <laughs> yeah but then um, he gets
2: ambushed by scorpion is yeah he does will die and it's like a huge flame of skull <laughs> in the, like, holy crap!
1: <laughs> yeah it's like the way they draw scorpion's face they love showing it like it's some jump scare move it's just like oh god it's a, it's scorpion he took his mask off and there's a skull there
2: oh no literally the first thing you see of him he says Lin Kuei.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I'm on that frame right now as you said that.
2: (laughs) It's so good.
1: Yeah Um, and then of course like and of course like you know once Kano gets on the boat or whatever they recognize Johnny Cage they're like oh hey it's Johnny Cage. I love that part. Yeah and Johnny Cage's like oh do you want an autograph and then one thing leads to another, and they end up fighting on the damn boat. But I will say that it made me so happy because Johnny Cage actually does a legit shadow kick on like on someone in that comic, and I'm like, where was this in the movie? We get like a jump kick in the '95 movie. I wanted like a real shadow kick. Which yeah, we this never whole got.
3: scene in the movie would have been cool, like Johnny Cage getting it in with Kano and Liu Kang coming to help him, and there's just like. They stage another fight scene, just an early fight scene. Yeah, but instead we like, get like yeah. shadow kick. Yeah.
1: But instead we get like an obvious, like you know, set with like with fog machines where Raiden talks about it's not about death but life.
3: And but I mean that's like such a fucking you know that's religiously important to me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that yeah.
1: Scene. I mean it is And, you know, and also we can't forget that the participants in there are like you know Sonya Blade, Johnny Cage, Liu Kang, and Liu Kang's hair. We have to mention Liu Kang's hair. <laughs> hair,
3: which is, oh, yeah. is ever present in this comic.
2: Oh yeah, in all of his, all the comics, he does have like
3: long and hair. It makes me wonder. It's like Liu Kang in the games is a Bruce Lee stand-in, and like supposedly they were thinking about making him a monk with shaved head, but Ho sung Pak was like, "I ain't fucking shaving my head, fuck me. yeah." But uh, he didn't have hair like that, so he just kind of ended up, you know echoing the the bruce lee type clone but that might have not been tobias's intention because like as early on in these comics he's got that that luscious mane to, to well, i mean in, in mk2
2: his hair's a bit
3: longer right no that's in three and two he well, looks identical person, yeah. It, yeah and it's not even hosung back you're right yeah and yeah. two his only difference was he got a headband and the red and black pants to to really make him look unique and then 3, he was a completely different actor, and he had the long hair by this point, which is already, like, you know, everyone knows who can't yeah, get the
2: I think long it's hair. Yeah, I think it's just a 90s fashion thing, where just, like, oh, let's give him long hair in the comics or something like that.
3: I guess, but I I, I wonder if it was, like, a conscious uh, decision to try and set him apart from being a Bruce Lee comb.
2: Oh, yeah, probably.
3: And that... Not that Bruce Lee didn't have some luscious goddamn hair, too. But oh, yeah, his didn't, true. It, his didn't come to touch his shoulders <laughs> man
2: this this show is just like we just always fixate on hair and on luke i and know
3: and there's a lot to say about very good hair especially cool. luke we should do hair. an
2: episode where we just like compare the hair like of everybody th- the
3: specific,
1: yeah. the, these specific these specific hair styles. it's just like hey who would want to I mean, fight we luke, about who would want to fight luke king's hair katana's hair so, by the
3: katana's way hair? yeah
2: by the way, I mean, we're gonna to get to a character later on where I'm just like, oh my god, that's that is some
3: hair right there. That's a hair. Oh, oh yeah, I know who you're talking. Uh, about. I don't know who you're talking. About. I'm assuming it's gonna be Sing and Sang, Siang. Yeah. Or... Yep. Yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. a mohawk. Yeah, we'll get to that. Because we'll you
1: see, yeah, you seen' is not wrong. That is some hair. <laughs> that's yeah. some hair.
2: Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing that, that there's not much after this, uh, after the bit, little quarrel between like you know uh, Kano and. Uh, and Johnny Cage. Um, I believe they just, you know, we get a bit of Scorpion and Sub Zero, but they don't really fight. They just kind of say, we'll see you at the yeah, tournament kind of thing. Scorpion's like, I- I'll then- see
3: you in the fucking playground. Yeah. And then, yeah, pretty
2: much. And then we get to the island, and then Shang Tsung is like sort of uh, introducing the tournament, and introducing uh, Goro, who's the champion, and also that, you know, they caught Sonya Blade, who was trying to chase the. Boat to surprise, you know, surprise. Kano, and it said, Oh, I guess her survival will have to do, depend on if she does well in the tournament. And then, boom, it's like, That's co- it, let the tournament begin. And then, yeah,
3: Corp Girl says that, and that's it. And it's like, and Stay tuned. It. And yeah. Thing, yeah. And one thing was
1: kind of cool is that like uh, to like, be continued
2: uh, at an arcade near you. Yeah, to so be continued like. at an arcade near
1: you. Except that like um, in the comic, Sonya actually arrived with not just herself. It's not like it was just her that you know they got in that boat. Apparently, some of her like colleagues or special forces
3: well, people. That's in the that's in the Blood and Thunder. That's in the Malachi No, I mean comic. no, yes. they're
2: here too, but they're just not. They're not. They don't have any real
1: uh, character. Okay.
2: But I mean, yeah. you do see them also hang like you know tied up.
1: That, oh, wait. that they specific they specifically though say that like Sonya Blade is going to have to fight in the tournament to save the lives of her fellow Special Forces people. Um, so it's almost like they kind yeah. of reco- yeah, Like it's basically, very she's from not the games she, and she, the she's not only like going after Kano. She's actually fighting to save the lives of some people that have been captured too. So that's like another element that in the movie, um, they completely took out because in the movie she's just after Kano and that's it. But in this, yeah, one, I one that runs.
3: Yeah. at the end of the day she's not concerned about the tournament she just wants Kano and she gets pulled in and this is a way to like literally force her into it like no you got to fight pretty much
2: yeah so yeah that's it for the at least for MK1 from as yeah. far as like the yeah midway to Tobias run comic
3: yeah which was, was quite it, enjoyable like, uh, yeah it
1: was it was enjoyable it's, it's it's exactly what it intended to be it was made to be an ad and on that, it was, and honestly, the like I feel like the bar was set kind of low for this one, but at the same time, it still crossed the bar, and it did everything it was intended to do, so I've got zero problems with this thing.
3: Yeah, I will say, reading this, and then, because uh, a, a majority of this, I did read as a kid. Uh, I read issue three of Blood and Thunder as a kid. I've never seen John Tobias' comics. Uh, and then I read issue one of both uh, Goro, Prince of Pain, and Kano and Raiden, uh, but uh, catching up all, on all of them for the podcast, the initial stage was a little bit trying because it was like I read the Tobias comic and then what we're about to talk about, uh, Blood and Thunder issue zero. And then Blood and Thunder issue one, which basically are all three, they're set up and they, they, they there's so much overlap between Blood and Thunder issue zero and Tobias' well, comic. It's like yeah, the same Blood shit. and Thunder
2: issue zero is basically a redoing of Tobias' comic. Yeah, like, yeah, it really absolutely. is. Like, it, beat for beat, it's almost the same thing. There's only a few differences. Like, for example, they introduce uh, one of Sonya Blade's partners has a metal arm, and he's Dance. actually kind of a character for a little bit. in the, Which is curious. In, in the, yeah.
3: It's curious because apparently there's a character later on in Battle Wave 2 that also has a metal arm. And it's just like, these are both things that predict Matt Jax getting metal arms before that was ever thought is- of. Is one of them... Because I know he has a left... His left arm is, is metal and it also is bendy, stretchy. Yeah. Uh, I think he's lame. <laughs> oh, no. He's, remer- he's... He's... Yeah. I remember him being mentioned like in my childhood. All I, was, I had was issue three so I had a mention of him What's in a his flashback. Name? Like Lance or something like that? Lance. Lance. <laughs> uh, I prefer the, 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 the cartoon uh, The Defenders of the Realm. They call him Wexler. And he's not superhuman. He's just a normal dude, and he just gets blown up in a bomb. And that's just a cooler name to me. But uh, oh yeah, I don't like the idea that uh, Sonya's partner who gets killed is something that happens immediately before the tournament. I'd rather it happened so far in the past that she's had so much time to stew and grow hate.
2: Yeah, that was the one thing that threw me off. Is like, oh, that's uh, how Kano killed the part. Like, yeah, it's partner. like it's where, it's where like, now
3: they like bring him into the tournament, but I, it's I like, love, what's the point? Pl-? I love how but, it
1: happened, though. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Like, I just love how it happened, though, because, like, that comic in issue zero, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it is that one, where, like, uh, Sonya and her partner, like, examining a building or something, and they go in, and a bomb is about to blow up, and then it basically turns into a 90s action scene. Like, I, like seriously, it really did feel... I felt like I was watching, like, the beginning scenes of Speed with Keanu Reeves. I'm not even kidding. It's just like, you know, you know, <laughs> the, like, they're in an apartment building. Yeah. They're not in an elevator, mind you, but they're in an apartment building. The elevator building's about to blow up and then one of the partners gets killed and Sonya has to, like, do this 90s action dive out of, like, a window as it blows up and, like, crashes on the ground. And she's like, You're basically
3: Wait, you're describing the cartoon, the Defenders of the Realm, because that's what happens the apartment blows up and she jumps out, but her partner Yeah, you're talking them. about
2: Defenders of the Realm or are you talking about Blood and Thunder? Yeah, because
3: no, 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 I'm, t- t- I'm, talk- I'm
1: talking about Blood and Thunder because in the
3: comics. Blood and Thunder, her too. partner doesn't die until the tournament. No, yeah, thought, that's, yeah, that's. In Defenders different. of the Realm, her, her partner makes it to the Shang Tsung's Island and actually fights in a sanctioned fight against Kano and gets killed.
1: Well, now, you, well, now you got me wanting to like look all this up now because I know I saw it. There was like a beginning scene, like where Sonya. That's and
3: that's the cartoon. That's what you're thinking of. And no, and it, like
1: it's in the comic too, man. Like there's there's no, it's, it's not as that maybe the there's a scene like
3: that in the but, comic, but no one dies.
1: Yeah, okay, so maybe no one dies. So maybe that's what I'm missing. But there is a scene in the comic, and I believe it is in Blood and Thunder issue zero because it's all set up about how this came. I, to be. I got
3: it right up here, and it shows her and Lance and Kano's on a motorcycle. And they're chasing him, and... Uh, so well, that's issue one. Issue I'm, I'm one looking is, at a, zero. is a... Is a is, this is very... I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm looking at zero, and it's just like a one fucking page about them. I'll have to look at Oh, okay. Yeah, there.
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah, Episode but, uh, issue like issue one has them actually, like,
3: uh, the chase him. where he, like, jumps on the top of the van, and then... Yeah, instead of like a Tobias comic where he's in a Jeep with like his cronies, he's by himself on a fucking motorcycle and he jumps on the fucking boat. Yeah, uh, But there's a lot of overlap here, though, between this and the fucking cartoon, because the cartoon seems to borrow from this. Like, yeah, it whole, really like,
1: kind of does. So in a way, we're kind of seeing like the beginnings of the MK lore that we currently know, based on yeah. canon, I guess, canon origins of these characters and how they actually came to be. It's still, like, honestly, it's still kind of cool, because who would have thought it would have been a handful of people on a leaky boat are going to save the world? Like, who would who would have ever thought of that? But apparently, that is apparently official lore now, in some capacity. But yeah, Blood and Thunder. One thing I'll mention about it is that uh, it was uh, it was this is like I think the first or one of the first Malibu runs Mortal Kombat, and was written by Charles Marshall. And Charles Marshall is a name that will probably reference a lot because uh, for the comics that reread, and likely the comics we will read in the future, he is a writer on most of this stuff. And man, this dude deserves a freaking medal because <laughs> my god, <laughs> his his writing style is. You know it,
3: man. You just know, you know his writing okay. style. That's all I so I guess I'm not. I'm not a big comics reader. <laughs> is this not typical for like 90s comics? Uh, uh, Josh? To have the characters reference Josh, themselves in the third person? Josh, to a to degree, remind you who they are. Josh,
1: to a degree, it is. But Charles Marshall is like a particular brand. It's like if um. I'll put it this way. If you're reading like Jim Lee's run on X-Men in the 90s where they introduced characters like Storm, Colossus, Wolverine, like all these people you know and love, right? The, the dialogue I'm not going to sit here and say is award-winning, but it, it's not as heavy-handed first person as this is. This is like... So
3: they're not going to be like, you are about to receive a beating. A beating from Colossus.
1: Exactly. It's not that bad, and maybe like maybe like one character will say that once in a blue moon. But Charles Marshall is like, "Hey, what if everybody was like this? Like every." I think it's
3: almost like a marketing thing. Like they want to remind you, yeah. who, who this is. They have, but it's like,
2: like almost every issue, though. That's the yeah, thing. it is. It is almost, almost every issue. It
3: Literally, is every issue.
2: Every issue they talk about, they they, they reference Raiden as this uh, storm warrior, which I think I is am a cool the storm name, warrior. but. He, they introduce him in every issue with, like, a huge splash page of him levitating with lightning everywhere, pointing at the camera and saying, you know, you have uh, you have coming. crossed my path once too many times. It's like, man.
3: I gotta admit, Raiden in Blood and Thunder, he's fucking... Fierce looking, he's so he good. is he. Yeah, I, I love how they made him fearful looking. There's no other Raiden that compares to that. And then later, and in, and in, in Caden, 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 and Jano. Um, <laughs> uh, he 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 looks a little bit more Rob Liefeld buff, uh, but very regal. Everybody does. Love,
2: we, we'll, dude, um, I cannot wait to talk does. about that comic.
3: <laughs> yeah, dude, but dude yeah. like uh, I love Raiden's character. Like never before in any media have I been, like, Raiden's fucking fierce. Yeah, Mm.
1: now, well, he's not only fierce, but, dude, like, he's probably the only one that I think legitimately, based on the type of character that he is, can get away with the whole first person and announcing his presence as some sort of, like, divinity in every single scene. Like, he's he's the only one. Now, when things like Reptile or Kano or Sub-Zero do it, it's just, like, it just gets corny. But, you know, but, you know, but, dude, like, I... To kind of, like, say this, to go on my own, like, little shtick here, obviously we can't show you, you know, um, uh, comic panels, being this is an audio podcast, but I have a quote here that I actually had to type down for the purposes of this podcast because I thought it was absolutely hilarious. It's in Blood and Thunder. It's in issue three. It's towards the end of the issue. Raiden comes in on the scene and says these exact lines and honestly I had I had to stop because I just I could not stop laughing at this. This is Charles Marshall's award-winning dialogue and I'm going to read it for you here. For now is the time of the wind and the rain and the fury. Now is the time of the final storm. When evil is vanquished and gods walk the earth once more. Men call me Raiden. You would do well not to
3: cross Raiden this day. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, dude, I will have to say issue three is the one issue I remember from a kid. And that exact panel did give me chills as a kid. Dude, and (laughs) reading it now. I was like, I, I dig it, um, dude.
1: Uh, like, I die. I, I love the way they spell Raiden too. They spell it R R A Y D E N. Yeah,
3: as you see, a dude from living just down the down the road in a fucking trailer park. Yeah, <laughs> but they do
2: it like in other comics. They, I mean, in this comic and
3: in Raiden and Kano, they they do it with a Y. Yeah, Raiden and Kano, they do it with a Y, and in the Super Nintendo versions of the first two games, it's spelled with a Y, oh, and the arcade is R A I. I want to fucking do an episode to find out why the fuck... What's the origin of spelling Raiden like he's a fucking redneck?
1: <laughs> you know
3: what? Oh. Being,
1: <laughs> being that it's such an Americanized character, I, I, I'm, I'm okay with it. Like, we didn't know any better back then, sure. <laughs> so I'm, I'm fine with it. We fixed it later on, though. I, but man, yeah. that... Like, and, and, and the way Raiden announces himself, like I just read, this is in, like... All the comics. It's in Blood and Thunder. It's in Raiden Kano. It's in Pr- Gore Prince of Pain. It's in everything.
3: It like, has to be in Raiden and Kano. Like, and we'll get to that too. I like the way Raiden's portrayed in that one because he's yeah. like a little different than in Blood and Thunder. Where Blood and Thunder, I'm an I am in awe of him. He is a he is someone to be feared. And that that whole bit you read where I, I am bowing down because I'm like, yes, that's all legit. <laughs> Josh. Raiden is a bringer of thunder. Fucking. Oh, I fear.
1: Josh, I think Raiden is in awe of himself throughout these comic issues. <laughs> because, he, cause, like, this dude, like, he he's coming with a dream and a presence. And he's going to let you know what that dream and presence is. Like, that's just who Raiden is. Like,
3: Imagine if we actually talked like that in real life. And Oh, God, person. it would be wonderful. It's the, if third third person, person,
2: it's the third person that throws me off. Because not only Raiden does that, but Shang Tsung does that too. Everybody and Goro does it. And Goro does, does it as it. Well. well. Maybe Johnny um, Cage humans does humans don't, it, though. though.
3: The humans, well, the ninjas do. Sub Zero definitely does it. Reptile does it. Oh, Scorpion like, definitely does it. I don't know. Re, re, rep, yeah,
1: reptile st- does it. Reptile stands out because he has the s- and has s- 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 you know there's like a whole bunch of S's That's and so H's that was and A's. To
0: it, it was annoying to me, that but that they're trying.
1: Again, but I but I to respect it because they're trying to like sort of say that he's an actual reptile. He's a snake. Hey guys,
3: but, he, he, he's a reptile. Get it? <laughs> <laughs> um, I like the, yeah. I
2: like that Kano called him a. a Belly, belly Walker or something like that. Yeah, yeah Belly yeah, Walker. Yeah. yeah, he did. Belly he did crawler. crawler. Yeah, belly crawler.
3: <laughs> I seem to remember Baraka using that as an insult somewhere later in the comic line, but uh Kano using it, definitely appropriate. Imagine yeah. though, like if we did like talk on the third person like that in real life, like if I were at my usual bar and like somebody is like trying to jip the waitress and stuff like that, and I like sit aside like, hey, you better pay her, or you'll face the wrath. Face the wrath of Josh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, Josh. You have to say it better. You have to say, or oh, you'll face the wrath of you, you'll face the wrath of JBB." Yaboo. JBB.
0: Yaboo. And he's coming
1: for you. It's oh, just like oh, God. Nobody knows what that means. That's no one knows what that means, it. but that's okay. We uh, the the three of us no, do, and it's still know. funny. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's still funny though. I don't care. It's still it's still so funny. No,
2: <laughs> oh man. Um, so yeah, going. I mean, going through the, this comic, like we do, get introduced to. A few characters we get introduced to was it Sing and
1: sing Yeah, is that is that you pronounce their names Sing and no, Sang? I no, don't, I don't
3: know. Hold on, how else could you pronounce them? It's it's very simple, Sing and Sang. What I'm unclear of is how to pronounce their combination. As a it's kid, Siang, Siang is how I pronounce it. As a kid, stupid brain Is that like, is that like a combination?
1: Is that like a combination of Yin and Yang, but Yin and Yang yeah. are one word with an S? yeah saying so like that <laughs> would think, be
2: i don't think they were being as creative no <laughs> that, uh,
1: that's that's my thought process because i i feel like that these people who wrote this comic and i'm very much blaming charles marshall for this i think he i don't know if he's trying to be if he thinks he's just so clever that he's making this up or he's like whatever dude i'm just gonna make up some like i don't know some some childhood book bullshit and then just put it in it's, the dang book
3: because it's I'm definitely, definitely inspired by ian and yang uh and I, I i encountered them only having read issue three as a kid and being like who the fuck are these uh, yeah. and now reading it now I get like a little bit more introduction to them, but it's still stupid. It's like Well the fact months. I mean
2: it is an interesting wrinkle because they were the original chosen ones to represent the order. Right, of yeah.
3: And it holds with Liu Kang's story in the movie where he's like not really uh revered and stuff like that. He's the outcast. He's a black Well sheep. the
2: thing is like in the in the in the movie he didn't want to be. Like he right. he, he got he got fed up with being fed like fed with the this all this like Stories yeah, he about. thought it
3: was all nonsense. Yeah, whereas in this killed. one,
2: he's desperate to prove himself.
3: That's a good point. That's the difference. Yeah. Wh- so he wants, also- to, he wants to go to also prove himself to be a representative of the Order of Light. But the sort are saying, like, you're not as good as these two dudes. Which, these um, two fucking Pokemon dudes. Which also,
1: like, one thing I'll give um, Blood and Thunder a lot of credit for, at least the majority of the issues are, and not all of them, mind you, but... majority of them um art the art was done by patrick rollo uh Mm -hmm. who's the artist for most of that and he's good like he's probably the best one out of the entire run he's up there like i would say he's actually better than tobias but at least tobias like was more in check with what he was doing but this right here it's clear like goro looks cool the characters faces from issues um one through six actually look like fairly distinct they're easy to read no one has like you know like 3,000 facial muscle bumps on their forehead. Oh, God. Um, There's so
2: many muscles. You know what? We'll get to it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we'll get to it. But also, like, because the art style is very simple, the color design really pops um, as well. They actually make good use of lighting uh, and good use of cross-hatching as well. So there's a lot of things in here that really make me just love 90s comics for what they are. And this... You know, Patrick Rolo and I guess his anchor and his colorist like really exemplify that sort of early 90s comic style feel. And I couldn't help but just like love it because I'm just sitting here just like, yeah, this is this is exactly what I came here for. Like everything is expected. You know, I want like I wanted a bowl. I wanted a bowl of grits. I got a bowl of grits with butter. (laughs) It was wonderful.
3: I (laughs) was going to say a bowl of cereal.
2: Can can I just talk about how cool the design of Siang is? Yeah. I don't know why, but I love that that design.
3: it's a I mean, cool. it's pretty a cool.
2: cool,
1: thing. cool. Um, I, I feel bad. He's a regal thing. looking
2: dude with like a gold mask a neo, and a mohawk. A mm-hmm.
3: neo-colored, neo-fucking-colored mohawk.
1: Yeah. I bet they had a lot of fun designing him too. Uh, I love the fact that small, he has like a neo-colored mohawk.
3: Small small side, you know, it's like all these original characters, which we'll come across some that are not as good as a sing and sing sign, uh, do make appearances. And there's a fan game uh, created uh, called Mortal Kombat i forget the net the, the, it's like uh, it, it, there's something called mugen it's like an arcade like yeah uh, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah,
2: a, yeah. A, like you can you can base it's basically it's basically like a sandbox you can download yeah. whatever characters you want and then so anyway there's like, like a mortal fight uh yeah yeah
3: there's like a mortal kombat the next generation or something it's basically what if mortal kombat kept going 2d after 3 and there's like a bunch of new characters singing, and Sang, and sighing, or, or ca- a character in that. And it okay. almost makes me want like they should they should fucking be, if we're like taking like you know uh, calls for characters who should come in new Mortal Kombat games, uh, and we dig in the past, yeah, let's fucking throw them in there. Dude, I I would I I want they them to be
2: in twelve like with the yeah you know oh
3: yeah they they would totally well they wouldn't totally sure. fit in there because they're not like you know. Because in the current timeline, they're, they're present day. They're not like immortal or something. Yeah, shit make like them ancient. Who cares? Yeah, fuck it. Who cares? Uh, we got to give them some powers, though, besides turning into one person.
2: Dude, they do the fusion dance, basically, and become like they do the yeah, but they Dragon Ball Z like a, fusion dance.
3: Like a Mecha Godzilla fuchsia colored laser beam or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> they would totally do that. When they're their pretty twins cool.
2: activate. What was it, <laughs> I really games?
1: feel like they do more Wonder Twins activate more than anything.
2: Yeah. Well, they don't last fucking long, do they? Nah, nah. <laughs> no. Man, I think they last like two issues, three issues. It, well, well, three. You know uh, issue well, you know what, though? Killed. I feel like
1: their, arc, their little arc actually made sense because their whole thing is not just to fight in the tournament, but they're trying to avenge the original Kung Lao. Like, they're after Goro, specifically. Like, they mentioned that a few times, that they want to fight Goro, and of course when they do get to fight Goro, because dialogue matters, Goro's like, time now to feel the pain of the mighty Goro. Goro will smite thee with grave pain and vengeance. <laughs> and then Sing and Sang is like, you will not smite us, Goro, for we are Sin and Sang, and we are the true warriors that shall defeat you. It's just, it's award-winning dialogue across the board, y'all. I, I
3: love the, uh, this is the issue I read as a kid, and the one thing that sticks out is Goro being like, ha ha ha, this is a first even for Goro <laughs> yeah. to kill one man to leave two corpses. I love All how right. they always
1: I love how they always <laughs> refer to Goro. as not just Goro, but Mighty Goro. Like even mighty Goro, Yeah, even dude. like 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 Sonia refers to Goro as Mighty Goro really? at one point. So does shang Tsung, so does Sub-Zero, course, so Tsung, does though. so does Reptile,
3: and I'm just like, why are you guys going
1: in Mighty? He's
3: like he's, he's a fucking prince of Oh, there's something fucking interesting. They reference uh, a realm that Goro is in charge of that's never uttered in the games or movies ever. Since oh, uh, yeah, let me go find it here. Uh, y'all don't remember? Uh, dude, there
2: were so many times where he got introduced as the champion of Mortal Kombat for 500 years, the prince right. of uh, prince of Shokan, or
3: something yeah, like that. Yeah, see, that's the thing, like, because like the movie refers to Shokan as a realm. Which feels like a misnomer because it's, it's it's his race. Yeah, but they bring up more than once in Tobias's comic too that he is in charge. Uh, let me fucking find it while we're talking here. Y'all keep going. It might yeah. take me, a minute, uh, you
2: know, not to like swerve or like you know to jump ahead, but I had this moment reading these uh, the these these issues uh, where I had this like weird childlike curiosity and wonderment when i saw Hydro for the first time I'm like ooh, oh yeah hydra. Hydra. Like, I i'd had never, never heard had. of hydra i'd never seen him and when he like he gets first like he's talking with sub-zero and i'm like Ooh, another link quite but that now look like oh this costume's like pretty cool because like i mean he has like sleeves it's a, but it's also the same like
3: fucking his, costume as sub-zero
2: it's not it isn't it no nah. It's a God damn! Now I
3: need to go look back at that. Like
2: he he has like long sleeves, almost like a shirt, really? and he has like this thing on his like chest. It, at some angles, it looks like his armor, but it's, I don't know if it is. Like it, that's a that's a weird thing about 90s comics. Everything looks shiny when, even when they're not supposed to be. <laughs> so it looks like he has armor on, but I don't think he does. But yeah, his his clothing
3: is a lot loo- is a bit looser than Sub Zero's. God damn it! Because like, hydro is an interesting thing because it's like is he supposed to be Kwai Lang? Apparently See, he's not. I never, this I Quai never Lang. actually
1: got that. I thought that was still Sub Zero, but he actually he announces his move like instead of freeze, he says hydro
3: he has, he like has all rain the time. Powers, yeah, he has water powers. Yeah, just he has like. It's like, uh, a different person, yeah. Like he has water
2: powers. He doesn't have. He doesn't have ice powers, which is funny when <laughs> like I think he fights uh, Johnny Cage and uh, Luke Kang at one point. And he just like shoots water at at at, uh, at Liu Kang, and I was like, "Well, that's just kind of like getting shot with like a squirt gun, right?" Yeah, <laughs> it, like
1: it, it makes me wonder, it's like, dude, how about a
3: fire hose? Yeah, I'll, maybe it, a fire it, hose, is, okay.
1: It's like, like like whenever I look at Hydro now, I'm like, dude, are you like, are, are you like the Dan Hibiki of the Lin Kuei? Like, you just failed at freezing things. Like, you got, the, you got the moisture part down, but you just failed at ice. Like, bruh. Like, what are you even doing?
3: Oh, shit, you're right. He does have sleeves. They go yeah. down to his elbow. Yeah. Interesting. But, it's yeah, like, I remember, like I said, Issue 3 is the one Blood and Thunder issue I had as a kid. And I remember Hydro, and I just automatically assumed, oh, that's a younger Sub-Zero but apparently that's not what they were thinking cuz he gets defeated by Scorpion and we never see him again.
1: Yeah, we yep. really never see him again at all. Which also like the way that again, like the way that they do Scorpion's like face like when he takes off his mask at least by Patrick Rollo, mind you, it actually looks really cool. It's actually legit scary. He, it it has like strong Ghost Rider vibes to it and it's actually a lot. Oh, of fun.
3: Well, Scorpion is partially inspired by Ghost Rider, but
0: <laughs>
1: but it's um, um but it's cool, but man I, I think I think the time now guys we have to address it i think it's like issue five of blood and thunder that's when the art changes and we get uh, we get this artist that unfortunately does a lot of art in the in the coming stories that we're gonna talk about and that is and that right there um, I'm the gonna pronounce the yeah okay. it, and that right there is good, it, like the actual artist's name and forgive me I'm going to pronounce it wrong but the guy's name is Kiki uh chan I believe his name is yeah, or something
2: like that. Uh good. I see I see uh Kiki Chan Simone Chan Simone.
1: Yeah, I figured I, was I mean I don't, if, the last I don't know I don't I don't
2: I don't I wouldn't assume it's uh it's a guy it may it may be I'm Yeah, yeah, on
1: like, honestly, I'm not 100% sure, but to sort of preface this, this particular artist does art in Blood and Thunder, in Gore, Prince of Pain, and also in the Tournament Edition as well. And um, pro- very, very likely is also, you know, done art like throughout other Mortal Kombat comics. They are uh, likely part of the, like, like, a regular artist that Malibu employs. And man, their art is just. To put it in a word, it just god awful. <laughs>
0: it just,
1: like I can't really oh, say anything oh. other than that. Like they, um, they have some of the worst art that I've seen in a comic in a while. They went to the Rob Liefeld School of Art and learned all the wrong things to do, and they and they still <sighs> <Yeah>. failed.
3: <laughs> There's one particular it's, panel in Prince of Pain issue one. Another one that I had from my childhood. I that this artist didn't
1: now. do the art in issue, like an issue one. Oh. In Prince of Pain. They that that artist, Josh came in, in Prince of Pain, but they came in in issue three.
3: Oh, okay. I don't remember too many egregious things in issue three. I remember some egregious the, things in issue. There was, however,
1: Josh. There was a different artist in Prince of Pain issues one and two, and that was Roy Burdeen. Um, yeah, and a, that artist uh, is good. If any like, of
3: you remember that one shot of Jax.
1: Yes, I do. do that, that that one shot of Jack. If I
3: say the oh. word Jacks, you automatically know what I'm talking about. Yep, I know exactly what you're talking <laughs> Where about. He's coming oh. ashore, and his fucking shoulders are <laughs> so
1: fucking big. It's so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> They're like, so fucking th- huge. This artist, man, like, what, you know, I, I kind of want to like just blanket this, just because whenever they do art on any comic, it doesn't matter what it is, they are obsessed with crosshatching to unnecessary degrees like their crosshashing doesn't come off as shadows like it should it comes off more as like bubbles and muscles <laughs> on people that shouldn't exist they draw kano's forehead and there's like bubbling muscles on his <laughs> forehead like kano has nose and eyes muscles that do not exist on the human body and this is like prevalent through everything it's awful and it really and here's how you know they here's how you know that they actually like you know Uh, reference Rob Liefeld. How many shots because you probably saw it and didn't realize it, that they have of uh, doing like like they're, like a character's jumping and they're jumping like bent over, right? And their quads are showing. The Rob Liefeld like quad squat, as I call it. Mm-hmm. Because if if the chest is not broken, then their quads are elongated when they're in midair. It's the same pose. And there's a ton of that. Kano does it, Raiden doesn't, Jax does it. I mean, there's like a whole bunch of these things where in order, like if a character jumps in the air, they're like, their back has to be facing forward, their quads have to be showing, their legs have to be bent, and their quads are just elongated with muscles that don't exist. It is, it is a travesty, and I had to yeah, read I guess through
3: that. I, I wasn't distracted as much by that.
1: I was. It, dude, it's just one of those things, I can't unsee it. Like, there's just no way I can unsee it, and oh my god, that shot of Jax, Josh, that you're talking about. That, is that, just, that's
3: the only one that distracted me, because I'm so like, that, that's not a human. No, it's not. It's not a human. It,
1: like, it's a like, mountain. Like, it's, a, like, it's a brown blob. Like, that's what <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's not a human at all. Um, and it's so sad because, like Charles Marshall is writing the dialogue, so everything is, of course, third person references. You know, like, "Hey, I'm Jax, and I will, and I'm going to find <laughs> out who kidnapped Sonia Blade, and Jax will bring the pain." It's just like <laughs> have that with this bad art. Like on top of it, oh god, it's so terrible. It's so terrible. But he comes. He luckily he only does one issue this artist only does one issue of blood and thunder. And I believe it's, I believe it's issue five. And then it goes back to Patrick Rollo and uh, issue six, but this artist is everywhere, man. It just like, it like he, this issue.
2: I, Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel bad crapping on people because I mean doing comic book art is not easy.
1: No, yeah, it's from not what
2: I could tell from what I could tell. And I mean, a lot of the style in the nineties is, all over the place, and people always comment on that because it's just an overabundance oh, of muscle shading, and everything. Uh, but I've, and I have, I'm not the biggest comic book reader. Like I've read, I've read comics here and there a lot, but I don't have like, especially in the '90s, I have, I've, I've read some, but it was always scattered, so I don't really know different artists outside of like maybe Jim Lee or Rob Liefeld or like uh, the Todd McFarlane, another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The big ones, but like, I do remember seeing a lot of stuff where just a whole bunch of muscle stuff, like. But this one, I'm sorry, but like the, the art is just there's a lot, and it kind of, kind of hurts to look at. There's a lot <laughs> of bubbles, a lot of yeah. bubbles and yeah. everything, like that doesn't shouldn't have bubbles, yep. and facial facial muscles that I feel like don't exist, like.
1: It's not even just that, because even if you look at it from a panel composition, like if you just look at the way that the panels are set up, because of all those bubbles and all that cross-hatching, if you squint your eyes on any panel done by this particular artist, um, you know, let's just use the issue, like any any panel or any page in Blood and Thunder issue 5, right? If you just look at any page of that and you squint your eyes, you're going to see a lot of like negative white or colored space, and then you're going to see a lot of dotted, blobby black you know, spaces that are in between every single panel and you can't tell what is what. And when you're looking at that with unsquinted eyes, for example, you're going to see that it's just clutter. There's too much going on. You can't tell what anything is. The backgrounds don't make sense. And the color artist clearly doesn't know what's going on because there's so many lines. I imagine that this artist is probably getting secretly cussed out by the colorist because I would be um, if I had to color all that stuff.
2: But yeah, to, to, I guess to, Go back a bit. Uh, the interesting thing about you know Blood and Thunder comic is that it you know sort of connects to different comics as well. So like in issue I believe three, when um, at some point you know Shang Tsung is like capturing a lot of these uh, fighters and putting them in a, in a dungeon or whatever or yeah. in below and keeping them ca- captive. And then uh, I believe Sh- Scorpion freeze them because he wants to fight sub-zero as a boy or something like that
3: yeah um oh, but then like goro I, I, stops them and blocks their sorry go ahead oh no no yeah that's the issue i read as a kid i don't know if scorpion freeze them but scorpion's whole deal is he he is protecting sub-zero because he doesn't want anyone to harm him because he wants to be the one to kill him exactly but then, like oh. everyone's thrown in the fucking dungeon because of some transgression, and uh, no tournament. Uh, there's gonna yeah, be a tournament there's... in our fucking Mortal Kombat tournament. <laughs> but there's no tournament. Uh, so... I mean, <laughs> there, I mean, there are people fight. I mean, I mean, like we there's said, there's a couple uh, fights, like uh, Lance, Lance versus Kano. Yeah, <laughs> Lance versus but then you know. everyone like fucking like uh, trespasses some something, and they get thrown in the fucking Mortal Kombat jail. And yeah. Apparently Goro yeah. is the warden. And,
1: but also <laughs> like with these but also these comics, like just to show everybody about this, these comics are very PG thirteen. Like when Goro quote unquote kills somebody, like he defeats Sing Sang Sang, whatever his name is, he defeats him, yeah. but you but it it's not the it's not the Goro Gory finisher that you kind of want it to be. He basically well, yeah, just separates the them comic. and like cracks their neck and then they're done. Like they're just dead.
2: <laughs> yeah same with uh when kano kills lance he he references his heart you're like oh we're gonna see the heart rip and you don't see it
1: yeah you don't no, see of course
2: it. not so um, there,
1: so, so there's a lot so th- if there is gore it's like pg-13 like very soft very censored pg-13 gore in these comics i guess i just couldn't get away with it in malibu um but you know but it still kind of happens um there's actually an there's actually an issue. Uh, I believe it is Tournament Edition, or maybe Blood and Thunder, where like Lu Kang gets stabbed in the back, and you do see yes. blood there. But that's really about it. And Lu Kang's yeah. kind of taken out for a minute. Which I guess we should go over. What is the actual story of Blood and Thunder? Because that does tie into
2: Tournament Edition.
3: Because uh, especially because... avoiding the tournament. <laughs> uh, so avoiding... what happens
2: is that what happens is that you know we get the setup like we did with the uh, the Midway comic. Um and I, uh while that is happening, Shang Tsung has this book, uh was it the Tao The Tao, Tao Susan. The Tao or Sei, oh god damn, yeah. I can't but, remember um, the name of that book. But- so he's <laughs> trying to he's trying to open it and he's thinking about like delaying the tournament for the first time because he wants that power. Um so while that is happening, you have uh the expected clashes that you have Um, and but but also at
1: the same time it's totally the MacGuffin of this storyline and it has in order to quote unquote open the book and gain its power because this is a MacGuffin you have to solve riddles um, in yes. order to unlock each page. So the riddles are basically <sighs> the Infinity Stones and the book is the Infinity Gauntlet. And then, when Wow, you, that's a
3: good comparison. And when you actually yeah.
1: unlock it all, you become Thanos and get the power so you can do a snap and just wipe everybody off the face of the Earth or whatever.
3: It's so stupid because basically like, we're getting ready to do Mortal Kombat 1. Oh, no, we're going to make everybody go into McGovernant to solve riddles. Pretty much. And Sub and Zero. I will say there, there are
2: the interesting like character moments. like The fact that Sub-Zero is so terrified of scorpion yeah
1: that's fun was to interesting watch, actually.
2: <laughs> and seeing him seeing him have to like face his fear and come to terms with the fact that this spirit is just gonna haunt me for the rest of my life i might as well like uh get over this fear and then scorpion is like you may have conquered your fear, but you'll never conquer me it's <laughs> like, but it, he, he, he also talks about scorpion. how I'm just going to wait until you become, you solidify, and then I'm going to freeze you and break you. But then he's a spirit, so he's not going to like really get rid of. And him. Then a,
1: and then as he flies um, away, he says, you know, he says a corny line like, "You may have escaped today, but one day you shall fall. For it is I, Scorpion, that shall defeat you. <laughs> one day, this day,
0: <laughs>
2: or
0: something."
1: <like> that. <laughs> yes. And that's not like tomorrow, uh, but today. Not tomorrow, <laughs> but today, because I, Scorpion, sits
2: since... in the um, So yeah, while, while like while Sheng is trying to figure this out, uh, and he figures out that he opens it, but the only way to you know unlock it is to do this puzzle thing. So he puts it away, and he's like, "I'm gonna have to delay the tournament," which you know, Xiao Kahn becomes privy of at some point. Um, so then while that's happening, they're also capturing all the warriors and stuff. And uh, Goro basically stands in their way of being free. So then they fight. They fight him for a bit. And then all of a sudden he disappears. Yeah, for, no for no reason. Like they, which, they don't know why he, he disappeared. I remember but being then,
3: so confused reading that as a kid. Yeah, too. so then yeah. they
2: escape. Yeah.
1: And, at, at, which of course leads into Goro, Prince of Pain, where they explain why he disappeared. And honestly, it's so stupid, but it's wonderful at the same time. So.
2: Yeah, so I mean. I and mean, we can get into Prince of Pain as like you know if we're going yeah, like, yeah, timeline wise yeah.
1: Yeah, because Everyone it does like, kind of tie bonuses. in, but I guess just that's to my favorite that, thing for, for like the rest of Blood and Thunder. Once Goro just randomly disappears for no reason, we don't see him again until Tournament Edition, when he will randomly reappear. But obviously, the comic in Blood and Thunder specifically says, "Hey, to find out what happened to Goro, read read Goro, Prince of Pain, Issue yes, One, out course. this out this month because marketing, I guess. Yes, <laughs> so, of course, marketing. Oh, yeah." Absolutely. But this but
3: all ridiculous storytelling. It's like all fucking... It's MacGuffin. It,
1: it really is <laughs> uh, a MacGuffin. Who gives a night. shit
3: about the, 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 the Tao Tei Zahn or whatever. But uh, I, the one thing that's good about it is it, it highlights Shang Tsung's just seediness because he's looking for a way to become the ultimate and, and defeat his boss. Yeah, he's basically uh,
2: fed up with, you know... Yeah. Like, as we always know, like, he's fed up of being, you know, under the rule of Shao Kahn.
3: Yeah, and that that that's cool for his character. But as far yeah. as like uh, describing the Mortal Kombat one story by just taking a break and doing this giant macguffin hunt, which pretty much defines the whole comic run, and then Goro's little adventure, which we'll be about to talk to, uh, where once he gets back, it seems pretty inconsequential. It really it's is very. Shit. It's, it's, it's incredibly just, inconsequential. It's shit to get you be to, to be like tune in next week to see what happens. Um <laughs> It's such bullshit. It really, um, it really
1: kind of makes me wonder if Charles Marshall was on any drugs when he was writing this, because he realized he had to write this. And, probably you
3: know, just watched a bunch of Transformers or insert Saturday morning cartoons. And you here. know what,
1: Josh? Because of that, God bless him. Because I did, I actually could say I got hardcore like '80s cartoon Transformers vibes, and that's that's a special place in my heart, man. It's just so stupid. <laughs> it's so stupid and so corny, but God, I love it at the same time. Because it's just such dumb writing, um, but yeah, we can get into uh, we can get into Goro Prince of Pain, which uh, Josh and I have both agreed this is the best comic out of everything that we've read it's so far. Um,
3: oh yeah, part, for sure. partly that might be nostalgia because I read the first issue and part of the third issue as a kid. Uh, I missed out in the second issue where Goro whips out a fucking. Machine gun with a banana clip and a chain-fed ammunition, and says, "Let's get crazy." Yeah, he does. <laughs> and, and you know what's you know what's great about it is like, how many
1: times in your life have you ever thought to yourself, "Hey, you know what Goro needs to be more successful? He
2: needs a GAT.
1: He just needs a massive freaking GAT." And yeah, not and just I, a GAT,
2: but like a laser GAT.
1: Yeah, a laser, a gat. laser he, GAT. He basically like decided, "Hey, you know what." I like the character of Cable from the X-Men. I'm going to raid his armory and then just take one of those Pretty mini, I, mini, I mini, mini laser gas me. and then just use it for something. And apparently someone somewhere, Charles Marshall, I guess, thought that, hey, you know what? Goro, the Prince of Pain, the ruler of Outworld, the guy who basically can rip people in two, he needs a gun. Be- <laughs> like, he just needs a gun. It, yeah. So, so
2: the, the the basic story of... Uh, Prince of Pain is that we pick up from where we left off with uh, Blood and Thunder, where he gets teleported. He gets teleported to Earth, apparently. No. Yeah, yeah, to Earth. An uh, uh, um, unspecified American city. Right, and he he gets confronted by the cops, but he just like demolishes. And you might as um, well attempt to stop. And he
1: says wait. specifically, "Who whoever transported Goro here shall pay, but they shall pay most dearly." <laughs> Just like, yes.
3: why would Goro say that? <laughs> uh, I remember being tickled by this as a kid, because uh, this is the issue I Just Goro being whisked away to, to what I'm used to, to, to modern-day America. And fun stuff. I love yeah. the villain, which will be, come to meet. Zagat, or Zagat. I prefer to yeah. call him Zagat. I prefer to Zagat call him Zagat who as well. Who, is the,
2: who we find out is the uh, god of chaos, and he has yep. a brother, which is the god of order. Yeah, Abacus.
3: And don't forget,
1: he has a little assistant. His name is Crow, and Crow is wonderful. No,
3: no. His name is Rook, but he's a cute little crow. Oh, uh,
1: okay. Okay. I thought his name was Crow, but yeah, you're right. His name is
3: Rook. Rook. And he says, No, he he is a crow. crow."
2: The crow is not cute because he, like, Laser beam destroys two cops that <laughs> yeah, he, did. he literally yeah, vaporizes two. <laughs>
1: so, so in this comic you have Gore running around talking about how he's gonna kill people because they get transported somewhere, and these two cops are just on duty, they're eating donuts and shit, and then all of a sudden a crow just comes out of nowhere and laser eyes them away, just aye <laughs> just the entire thing just starts off. And you know when you're like when like when they're writing this, some people are having legit fun with this comic, which is why I it's
3: love this comic. Because of the the mythology and the, the aesthetics behind it, with yeah. uh, Zagat and Rook the Crow, it feels like something out of Spawn. It really Probably does. Before Spawn, like just like like this bum who's the god of chaos and his pet friend the crow who can vaporize cops. So it just is very it's very Todd McFarlandish, and it's not Mortal Kombat at all. No, and I di- I'm, I'm here for it. I dig it.
1: And Goro is just sort of like.
3: Goro is basically Goro's sick of this shit.
1: Yeah, yeah, Goro is like Jack Burton in Big Trouble, Little China. He's just like, <laughs> he's just like what is going on here? <laughs> he's like, what is. I'm here to kill people, but everybody keeps doing other things. What is going on here? You need to it's,
3: explain to me what's going on, or I'm going <laughs> to eat you or something. <laughs> and it's just
2: wonderful. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, so, like, you know, because, you know, Goro disappeared, Shang Tsung needs people to find him, so he sends out. Kitana, Melina, Reptile, and Baraka. Yep. As the search party to find out. And this is Kitana before she, I
3: guess, becomes good. I mean, she's always been good, but she's always just been like, I know my dad's bad, but I'm just going to like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then also, um,
2: and
1: then also on the good side, Jax is also in this comic too, who is looking for Sonia. We don't know why that he's in a Goro comic looking for Sonia, but Jax is here and he's looking for Sonia. Yeah, I, I mean, have a
3: weird thing. I have a weird thing as a kid remembering, like, oh, I know I read the Battle Wave MK Two comics because I remember Jax and all that, but I'm like, oh no, all my memories of that are from Prince of Pain.
2: <laughs> and yeah. Later. So, yeah. Because yeah, he. Uh, I'm guessing you know because you know. It was like a last-minute thing where they he she jumps onto the boat or whatever. So I'm guessing he's looking for her after she went on the boat. I mean, that's, but the, that's in the comic, they say the that Goro
3: took her. What? Oh, um, yeah, because in in, in Tobias' comic, Goro takes her. But in this one, this uh, she, he's looking for Sonya. He's looking for Goro because he knows Goro took Sonya. Boy, I don't remember that. I just remember he's looking for Sonya and he gets knocked off on Shang Tsung's island. And Shang Tsung welcomes him and tells him, hey, my prince disappeared. Why don't you go look for him and you can find your partner too?
2: Well, I guess That's he said so. nobody knows where. I guess he he didn't he doesn't know what happened, but he know he just knows that Sonya went after Kano and then he disappeared. she disappeared. And yeah. then he's on a boat, on a speedboat that crashes Ooh, onto a, a island boat. as well. Is bad luck with water. Yeah, water. Don't fuck with it. Um, but, but
1: yeah, like one thing yeah, about... First, oh, oh, go ahead, Jacin, sorry.
2: I was going to say, like, the one thing I didn't expect was that Jax was going to be funny in this.
1: Yeah, Jax actually <laughs> was funny in this comic.
3: I mean... What, and, go- and Baraka, line? too.
1: Oh, yeah, Baraka, Him actually... Him and
3: Baraka fighting? Yeah, actually... Like Baraka, the, you look like my aunt, whatever.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Baraka had one of my favorite lines in... Probably any of these comics really. When he's oh. fighting Goro. And fighting Goro. Go- yeah, at one point he fights Goro. Got yeah, it. he does. He it's does. funny
3: that I read this like four days ago and I forget. Baraka fights <laughs> so he- Goro?
1: Yeah. Dude, d- dude, ev- dude, everybody fights
3: everybody at oh, some yeah, point. Oh, yeah, when comes. Yeah, yeah, when we get into later, yeah.
1: I mean, there's even, like, there's even, like, you know, an issue where Sonya Blade fights Sonya Blade. Oh, or whatever yeah, we'll
3: get to that, that stupid shit. <laughs> <laughs> but there's <laughs> one point
2: where Goro's, like, sort of singing his own praise <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. And, it's uh, wonderful. Baraka, Baraka basically just says, like, uh, you talk too much. I speak with my blades and I speak loud. And then Goro just says, well then, say something, and then they start fighting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well then, say something, and That's then the start fighting.
3: Did that happen in Prince of Pain? Yeah, that like, totally world in comes out in Prince of Pain. In the outworld plane, and, and Baraka just says, "Fuck you! I'm fighting you."
1: Yeah,
0: uh,
3: yeah. Pretty uh, much everything in these fucking comic runs is like, "Fuck you, I'm fighting you." Yeah. Fuck you. It's this dramatic misunderstanding. Everyone just wants to fight everybody. But what I kind of love much.
1: about it is that if you send Brock on a mission, if you just say, "Hey, Broca, go to the store and pick me up a gallon of milk or something," like let's just say that like, you just told him that, like like he he'll, he'll fight someone and kill them along the way, you know, yeah. and he'll bring you back your milk, but it'll be like in drenches and shambles but he, he killed, like, five people to get it. <laughs> and that's just Baraka. That's just how he is. So don't send him on a mission unless you want him to specifically kill someone. Don't send him on a mission to rescue someone.
2: <laughs> um, I forget, which, why was Kung Lao in this again?
1: Uh, I loved Was meant It was, ma- was meant uh, to tie into Blood and Thunder, which, of course, ties into Tournament Edition. It, like, right. Like, but like, like Kung Lao's thing this, here is
3: that this is, like, a precursor to how he was evolved in the games, is where, like, he luke kane doesn't know about him he you know is is a pre is a predecessor to the great Lao. and for some reason we don't understand he's banished to outworld and he's basically like you remember how i said like mk2's depiction of him was a lot more mysterious like like a dirty hairy with his like hat hiding his face yeah that's what this is and he's like a wanderer in outworld and he's just trying to find his way and like that first scene where he like destroys the fucking living forest tree. I
2: love that. It's great.
3: It's just like, Oh my God, you were a badass dude. The and, only like, that's problem just is the...
2: that he didn't use his hat.
3: I know. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, he didn't use his hat. He just punched it a billion times. He punched the crap out of the tree. But it's like, and I remember that from a kid too. I remember being like, man, don't fuck with Kung Lao. But I think yeah. his thing is just, he's a mysterious uh, outlier that Lu Kang doesn't know about that gets a redemption and gets to come in and help that's basically his character
1: well so one so one thing though just to like just like to touch back a little bit on prince of pain is that so yeah like goro is wondering who the hell did the thing to him which is why he's in earth realm and yeah you find out it's you know it's this guy named zagat and rook and zagat for the most part is basically like a uh you know, a pervy old wizard Jester. He, he he may as well be the Joker with Jester's clothing because he's kind
3: of he literally like, is the Joker because yeah, he's he wearing really purple.
1: Yeah, he really is the Joker. His art his art is actually pretty good, by the way. Um, yeah, but, I love his art. Yeah, his, I think
3: I drew him as a kid.
1: Yeah, yeah. The artist in uh, the artist in that um, um, in that comic, it, at least for the first two issues, is different. It's not Patrick Rolo, but it's Roy Burdeen um, who did actually who did do a good job, at least for the first two issues.
3: Dude, I think I'd reread. Prince of Pain after this podcast, because that's the one that captivated my imagination as a kid.
1: It's, I mean, I mean, like, dude, like, it's, um, it's like, it's like a whole lot of fun, but I like the motivation behind it. Cause Goro's just sitting here like, why did you do this to me? Like, why am I here? And Zagat has the lovely, like, just sort of like great motivation of saying like, oh, I just want to see you fight people because you bring chaos. And I'm a, I'm a chaos sorcerer. I love I'm chaos. chaos god, yeah, And, when Gora realizes that, um, he's like, Well, no, like I hate you. And so Zagat's like, okay, well now you've done chaos on Earth, let's go to Outworld and let's do chaos there. Woohoo. So he transports Goro randomly back to Outworld, like in the snap of a finger, or like the turn of a page of a panel, or back in Outworld again. And when Goro refuses to be Zagat's, like, little chaos-inducing servant, you know, Zagat does the greatest thing ever and decides, hey, let's just make the most edgelord character of a 90s comic we can (laughs) possibly make. And let's combine all of Goro's powers and all of a whole bunch of people's powers and make the cyber-terminator version of Goro called the combatant.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It literally looks like... Looks like something I drew as a kid yep, in those it really margins of my notebooks.
1: I saw that and I died. I'm like, combatant. Really? And it looks everything like you would imagine. It's Goro, but, ter- but he's a Terminator now. It like, that's Terminator. what it looks like. It's it's like Cyber Goro, and of course, like Goro fights the dang thing for like a little while. It's way better than Goro is, and Jax gets involved too at some point, and the combatant actually has to fight. Um, you know, Katana, uh, Melina.
3: Wait, my man, my mind's fucking turning to mush. He fights Katana and all that.
1: Yeah, well, no, not Katana. Because but... I remember
3: Goro, Goro gets like beaten out and goes to the halls of Abacus where he gets he his gets transported there clip, by the sorcerer of like order <laughs> or something it
1: it's, it's like this is what's so great about this comic it's like it's it, it's so ADD it's like the second that this combatant it starts swinging on people, all of a sudden Goro's like, ah, and then he just gets teleported somewhere because these, now that he's been summoned and or being, like, manipulated by the Sorcerer of Chaos, the Sorcerer of Order has a few
3: words to say with him, too. (laughs) So... I think this comic would have benefited by not having all the MK2 characters, like Jax and, like, the the Katana troop, like, just be Goro and, and, in L.A. with Zagat and whatever, just, like, make it a complete fish out of water story because like it's so imaginative and cool. Like when, once you bring in all the other MK stuff, it feels like it's, I don't know. It robbed from it a little bit. Yeah. Memories from as a kid is just being like, so not mortal combat. Yeah. And more like spawn.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. And like, 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 of course the order of, uh, or I'm sorry, the sorcerer of order, of course, where does Goro end up? I think gets transported. He's in a library.
3: Yeah, the Hall of Order with yeah. Epicus and his library. Yeah, yeah
1: and he's just like, I, I guess he can, like, chill there and read books. Because, of course, Gora reads books. Why wouldn't he? I guess. smart. Yeah, Gora's smart. <laughs> and, you know, the and I love the order, like, the chaos. I'm sorry, like, the Sorcerer of Order. He says, like, you know what? The Chaos Sorcerer's my brother. We're in this sort of, like, yin and yang chess battle thing for, like, millennia. But he's gaining too much power. So, I need you to be my avatar and go back and like beat his dude up or something. And here, I'm going to give you a tool to do it. And Goro's like, okay, sure, whatever. (laughs) And so the third, like at the end of issue two, he comes down and does that panel, Josh, that you love so much. The order of, apparently in order to make the world a more orderly and secure place, it requires a gun. So, (laughs) and (laughs) so Goro gets like a freaking laser cable x-men chaos gun and then goro's like hey let's get crazy
3: <laughs> and he only gets to use it for a little bit before yeah he's from but him.
1: dude that ending panel was so damn funny just seeing goro with all four arms being in use by the way holding like a gigantic gat of a gun is just the most hilarious thing i think i've ever seen it is it's the That's
2: probably these images
1: Oh yeah! I was
3: about to it's say so that's the most '90s comic thing you could come up with. is Goro holding a giant gap for yeah. a banana and, clip and chain-fed ammunition,
1: and, and it just—it just screams like man. These writers and these artists were such fans of Terminator 2. It's almost sickening because Combatant is the Terminator 2 version of Goro. So how do you beat that? Sure, you just. You know, make Goro Arnold Schwarzenegger and give him give like him a more guns. Gun. <laughs> yeah, just give that's him how more you solve guns. Problems. Yeah, that's how you problems. and that's it.
3: the one I'm sad that I missed out on because I read issue one and I, I probably have it somewhere. And then I remember reading issue three where Goro gets his weapon taken away. And I never got to see what it was. So I never saw until my adult life the let's get crazy yeah. panel.
1: What's sad is, is that in issue three of Prince of Pain, we get art by the notoriously bad Kiki. Um, I'm not going to re- pronounce their last name, unfortunately. But they're the artists on the third issue. And my God, it shows we get the brown blob face of Jax, which is awful. Uh, and I can't really tell like what's happening with Goro, but... You know, fun fact, he 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 fires his gun and then his gun gets destroyed and so it's, <laughs> it doesn't really last too long, but the combatant does actually does actually get finally defeated, I think partially due to that gun. So I guess it worked and there's more fighting between Baraka and Jax and then Reptile and Melina and Katana are trying to like like get Goro back, but whatever reason, can't, and then Zagat's all pissed off and turns into his hell demon whatever form um, and actually starts growing in power and Goro realizes he can't beat him. And then he just sort of like, Goro actually has a moment where he actually has
3: some real character development and
1: he's like, oh, you know what? What if I just
2: don't fight you and don't cause chaos? Yeah,
3: which actually is uh, some great growth from Goro. Yeah. Goro, don't
2: fight. I mean, the thing is like, He, uh, You know, the god of chaos gets power from chaos, so if he fights, he gets more powerful. So he's just like, well, I'm just not going to do it. And he gets pissed off. (laughs) And and Goro actually, like, crosses
1: his hands, and he's like, yeah, I'm not going to fight you this day. I could fight you, but no, I don't think I want to
3: right now. But then, at the end of the day, he still constructs an act of violence and eats him. Yep. Once he's diminished.
1: Because once the god of chaos or whatever loses power, he apparently shrinks, and Goro just grabs him like king kong grabs fei way and then just eats him (laughs) eats him yeah just i remember being
3: so traumatized he was about to eat rook the crow but he doesn't
1: yeah he doesn't
3: i remember i remember conflating those two things of him eating the crow and i'm like oh no don't eat the cute little crow and then no he never eats him he threatens to but he eats as a guy yeah pretty much yeah
1: And then after that, like, we get, like, an epilogue of, like, a chess match or whatever between... Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah, between the God of Order and the God of Chaos, and... One, and, like, of course, his king is, you know, shaped like Goro, obviously. And apparently they're going back and forth and exchanging,
3: like, rebuttals to each other. And they're just like, you know, this is their life. Like, LOL, I got you this time, brother. Yeah. Um, and, of course, it goes, it, it need not be said, that, uh, this is obviously a precursor and it was probably borrowed from for creating the idea of the Chaos Realm and the Order Realm. For I about to ask, know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't
1: surprise me if that was the reason for it, because why would oh, no. I not tied to that?
3: It definitely, they they probably dipped into that. Uh, granted, uh, the characters uh, for that was a uh, havoc. It, he's not the chaos god. He's just and Darius is is the the you know keeper of the the, the fucking order realm. But they're not gods. They're just like you know uh, generals or whatever. But the idea of like a chaos and order thing and all that, it's like it's probably borrowed from that. Probably.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say it's probably.
3: Then again, there's origin. such generic ideas that, 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 that it might be coincidental. However, I would like to see Zagat Become a original character in like a Mortal Kombat game. I kind
1: of want him. To, I kind of want him to be like paired like with Rook because you know much like yeah. in, in MK ten you have Pharaoh and Tor whatever those two guys name are. I would love to see Zagat and Rook as like a double. I team think player.
3: of it more as Asuka and Tekken Seven and the little Tweety Bird in my alternate costume. Tweet tweet motherfucker.
1: <laughs> you know what? That'd be kind of fun and maybe yeah. like as a maybe as a fatality. Rook can like fire laser eyes from himself and like vapor. Someone, I think that'd yeah. be great.
3: <laughs> or Zagat throws like corn on the character, and Rook just pecks him to death.
1: <laughs> no, no, dude. Like as a Vitality, uh, Zagat needs to summon combatant out of like the shadows. Oh yeah, there and, you and go. And <laughs> combatant like beats oh, you up. Uh, I can uh,
2: see like if they ever did like if for whatever reason like did like a Marvel versus Capcom version of Mortal Kombat, and then, uh Goro's finisher just getting that big Gatling gun. And oh yes. my God,
1: that'd be wonderful. <laughs> That would be that would be crazy. That would be so dang wonderful. And I love the fact. God, I really
3: want to read more than any other comic. I I want to read Prince of Pain again. I think I'm going to read it right when we're done talking. I'm going to go reread it. Yeah. Mm Which, so you know, funny. as
1: much as we all love Prince of Pain, its actual impact on the overarching story that Charles Marshall is creating is really sort of, like, it's insignificant because at the end of yeah. the day, it's just the go- it's just the sorcerers of Order and Chaos just decide, hey, we're just going to mess with Goro for, like, an afternoon, and then we're yeah. just going to throw this him back. This is a
3: comic story. This is a Monster of the Week story of let's get something to entertain the kiddies for a couple issues uh, to tie I well, think from...
2: I mean, he, he has a bit of growth. Of Not growth, but, like, him choosing not to fight was like okay that's yeah
3: that's an that's interesting in, turn that's for interesting the character from but somebody that, that you affect, would assume to be a big brute but does that translate to his return to it um, doesn't yeah because as we see when he gets back uh which it's an interesting situation when he gets back and well, we'll get to that when we get to that but uh doesn't seem to have anything to do with what happened to prince of pain
1: which yeah. um, which Which I guess going back, because like now that we've kind of addressed like Prince of Pain, um, we still have to like cover, I guess, the last couple of issues of uh, of Blood and Thunder because they actually kind of matter. But Yeah. yeah, it ends up becoming like the last three issues, really, I can't say too much about other than it's a MacGuffin hunt. And apparently every every single issue, you get more of these little these little riddles. And these little riddles are literally the worst thing ever because they're just, <laughs> they're just these tiny like little things. And they are like
3: something would, Jim Carrey is the riddler would say. to Yeah, you. <laughs> pretty much. In
1: fact, actually, one of the answers to one of the riddles is water. And I'm just like, the element that brings life. Where was that? <laughs> you know, like one like, like, yeah, I think like the first, like the second answer to the second riddle is just water. And like the third one is like air or something. And then another one is like sleep. And I'm just sitting here just like
3: this really is guys, <laughs> such a big fucking stupidest thing to add in to give padding and story to like something that wasn't in the games at all, but just to give something to hold the readers onto in a comic.
2: Is it a product of his time?
3: Yeah, perhaps. Oh, yeah. It's just like, this is the comic about the Mortal Kombat tournament, but we're going to instead do a MacGuffin hunt for a stupid book full of riddles. <laughs>
1: yeah. And really, and really the only redeeming quality is that you do get some interesting character moments, but the book passes hands like a hot potato. Like, Oh, yeah. Sub-Zero, Sub-Zero has it at one point, And then Liu Kang has it. And then Scorpion steals it. And then like after Scorpion steals it, Johnny Cage somehow gets it. And he's paired with Sonya. They sleep in a cave. And then Kano gets it. So um, I mean, like, everybody, and of course Kano is after it the entire time because he wants to, his his whole manipulative goal is like, oh, I'll let all the other characters do the heavy lifting for me, and when they're on the last riddle, I'll steal it, and Kano will become the most powerful warrior in the world because... He's spoken to a third
3: person like it should be. Yeah, yeah, like it is. <laughs> and, and then Kato will become the most powerful.
1: However, I'll give a shout out to Reptile, because Reptile is the only one... He, he gets the book at one point for a brief... Right. And ...in tournament edition. But he's a
3: loyal motherfucker. He, he's
1: a loyal motherfucker. Oh. He's... He's like, you know what? I'm going to give this to Shao Kahn and he'll reward me for it. So he didn't even want the power to himself. Even everybody who gets that book for like two seconds is like, hey, I can defeat Shao Kahn with this book if I just solve the last riddle. And, you know, Reptile's like, but I just want to help Shao Kahn. Like, he's
2: he he's a loyal he's dude. Such I a like Red Ra- boy. Yeah, he is. He he is he's the
1: good he is the goodest of
2: boys. I like that. Ra- <laughs> it doesn't matter what it doesn't matter what comic is. Even in like Raiden and Kano, he is like super loyal to Shotgun. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he's very loyal to him. And uh and it's it's honestly it's honestly just kinda like fun to watch. Actually, I don't think Baraka ever got the book though. Um I would have no, loved to have didn't. seen him get it, but I don't think he ever did.
3: I don't know what the fuck he would because like Can you read? He <laughs> Probably not. Tell Baraka's story. Um, so I, will, I, will, I, will, he's I would. I would love it differently.
1: That would be, you know, that's a missed opportunity right there. You see, I would love it if Baraka just got the book, looked at, it, and he's like, "I can't read this," and then he just throws it away.
2: then <laughs> <laughs> no, he just, he just slashes it. He does his like scissor attack
3: just cuts up the book and destroys it before. yeah and he's
1: it. like i can't read this <laughs> so <laughs> that that would be wonderful i would love i would love that um that's a missed opportunity damn it charles marshall up your that top. really
3: is yeah we should go back
1: <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah like really the last three issues don't really do much i guess like the end of blood and thunder culminates with raiden showing up transporting everybody back into outworld they all just randomly appear in Sheng Sun's house. Yeah, it's and a big
3: party. Yeah, it's Even a big party. It's a huge party. Malina and Katana. It's a big each party. there is a
1: there is a noteworthy scene though that I think is worth addressing. That I think is missed. Another missed opportunity is that at one point, Liu Kang is he has the book and he's like making camp uh, in the um, um in the Forbidden Forest or the or the Living Forest or whatever from MK two mm-hmm. with and, Kano. Yeah, with Kano. And they're talking about stuff, and the trees are actually talking to them as well. And the trees actually have more dialogue to say than you might think. And
3: I love that. I yeah. mean, that was introduced in Prince of Pain, too, where, where Kung Lao punches the fuck out of that tree. Yeah. Uh, I love that the trees are characters, yeah. Yeah, the
1: trees are characters. They actually have interesting things to say. I mean, like, get too close, they will kill you. But if they can't reach you, they're just like, oh, hey, you're in the forest. You should, like, be aware of this dude and this dude and this dude. And, yeah, you know, never
3: fucking go to Outworld.
1: Yeah, yeah, or something That'd like that, and it's, and they actually have more dialogue in Raiden Kano, which we'll get to soon. But
3: you know. oh, right. wait, yeah, they are in Raiden Kano. They are they? in
1: Raiden Kano. Um, so I like the idea that, like, hey, let's just take these elements of Mortal Kombat, let's expand upon them. Like, what if the living forest trees actually had a little bit of personality, and they actually? Well, had I mean, more like, Mortal
3: Kombat is just such a like a, a flourishing, you know. Tapestry of influences from so many media that it's just like it begs to be fleshed out into things like the trees. What if the trees have a voice and they're yeah. not just the face of Ed Boone? Which trivia, the MK2, I never brought this up in our MK2 episode, but those trees in MK2, that's fucking Ed Boone's face. No, it is. What? It Hold is. On. I'm looking this see. It's Ed Boone. I mean, that might take a minute to fucking confirm, but it's a. a there, there's one that has a fucking jack-o'-lantern face, but there's the other one that has more of a benign, you know normal human face, and that one it's fucking Ed Boon.
1: That's pretty wonderful.
3: And you can look at it, and you can be like, oh, wow, yeah, know that is Ed Boon. He is the living forest. You see, there's two different types of... There, 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 there's type. a couple different... There, there's some that have the big open mouth with the, the jagged teeth that are just art, but then there's a couple that are just closed-mouthed, and they have a face, and it's Ed Boon. It's Ed Boon's wow. face. Yeah, you see it, don't you? I can see. Yeah, it's definitely you see the, it
2: like the eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's more like just the, the sunken. I don't know. It's it's weird because like you kind of see it, but you kind of can't.
3: It's weird. It's him. I I looked it up. I researched this months ago. It's fucking Ed Boon.
2: That's crazy. That's pretty <laughs> That's wonderful, awesome. actually.
3: Yeah. Wow. But yeah, Living Forest is such a cool idea. It's just like, it just goes to show how much imagination goes into a game about beating each other up and and cutting each other's heads off. Uh, and that just gave comic writers ground to just fucking take it and run with it and make these characters that are like the fucking devil in the background, just like taunting Liu <laughs> <Luke> Kang <laughs> and stuff like that. I love it. Yeah.
2: Uh, is there anything else we want to say about um, Blood and Thunder before
3: we move on to the tournament? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, Blood and Thunder tournament are both linked. Blood and Thunder ends up of like I didn't like Blood and Thunder, dude. Yeah, um, I'm kind of
1: I'm kind of the same way because it yeah. feels like a MacGuffin hunt. but... It's a
3: MacGuffin hunt. But it tournament edition is also a MacGuffin story.
1: hunt. Um,
3: but, I didn't like Tournament Edition. We'll get to that now.
1: But like, um, I, I will say, I do love the fact that like. While everybody's fighting each other, Raiden decides, like, hey, we should go into Outworld. And Shang Tsung is like, yeah, you should totally come to Outworld so I can get my book back. And then just does a massive dump. Like, all the characters just are literally fighting each other. And they all just get dumped in Shang Tsung's house. And they're all still fighting each other. So everything's just nuts. Like, it's it's, everything's crazy at the end of Blood and
3: Thunder. That's Mortal Kombat. You gotta fight, I guess.
1: Yeah. But yeah, once we start Tournament Edition, we get into... All the fun things where everybody is basically fighting everybody. And we don't know who's fighting who, but people are fighting everybody. Like, just, like it, it basically is Mortal so Kombat 2 to a degree. Because, Malin, like, Malina and Katana are there. Jax is there. Kung Lao's there, too. Like, everybody's fighting everybody. <laughs> it's just, like, that's just how Terminator so Edition starts. Yeah.
3: Um. It, it basically, yeah. Blood and Thunder ends of basically, like, you know... Shang on being like, well, what do I do now? And then suddenly Raiden shows up with all the combatants being transported from the events of Prince of Pain into the island. And then, yeah, so the tournament edition starts off with just everybody appearing in one room. And despite it be calling, uh, being called tournament edition, there's no tournament because everybody just like pops in and starts being like, Hey! Fuck you! Fuck you! Yeah, and, yeah. And, like, and, and the book forth. that
1: everybody's getting over is basically being bounced around like a beach ball at a rave party. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like boom, 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 boom. Like, 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 like this book is just changing hands like every five seconds. But I will say though that like a couple of moments that I thought was actually kind of cool. Um, there is a scene where Johnny Cage actually gets the book, and he does actually solve one of the riddles, and he has it in his mind that. Oh yeah, I can be the greatest warrior ever, and this book and the spell that's in it can help me do it. I should totally do this. So he kind of goes down the dark path, and Raiden just randomly shows up, and in his first-person, third-person, godly, divine way, kind of tells him, Johnny, this is not the way. This is not the way to power. You must put the book down and embrace the character of who you really are. Like some bullshit like that. And Johnny's like, no, I'll kick your ass too, Raiden. And Raiden's like, Raiden says the most obvious thing to sort of like talk him out of it. He's like, so Johnny, if that book is so powerful and you gain power from it, you know, how could you possibly prove yourself to other people if you're relying on the power of something else to gain, you know, you know to do that? And then Johnny's like, Oh yeah, you're right. This book sucks. I'm gonna throw it away now. <laughs> and then he just talks. God, that,
3: that that was in fucking tournament I read that today, I don't fucking remember that
1: yeah yeah that was in tournament I, if it wasn't in tournament edition it was towards like the end of like blood and thunder but I kind of like link them together because it's all one cohesive story but yeah Johnny's like oh yeah if I gain this power then I can't prove to everybody that I can live my own powerful powerful way or whatever and then he just chucks the damn book or something like that and then he just goes about his merry way and you know Raiden's like good job Johnny you did well <laughs> it's just like the dumbest thing ever it's like of course that happens like why would Johnny ever be corrupted by that He's Johnny as much as I love him he's too stupid to be corrupted by power like he just is I was
3: about to say he's too pure but I prefer no no he's too
1: stupid he's too stupid to be corrupted by power (laughs)
3: Um, but like yeah, basically the fucking tournament edition is basically just a whole series of fuck you fights of people that shouldn't even be like pissed off at each other
1: yeah, uh, and, and people announcing who they are with everything. It's just well, like every
3: every comic has that at this point.
1: Yeah, like Sub Zero does it, Katana does it, Melina does it. Like everybody's doing it, man. It's like um it's like I like how trend.
3: pissed off Katana is at Scorpion.
1: Yeah, she's very pissed off at him. She's like,
3: You don't deserve to live in this world <laughs> And it's like God damn yeah. and it's like it makes me think there is no precedent, like even MK eleven where there's like so much more expansion and story where Katana and Scorpion never cross paths. The,
1: there, there, here is actually, they do. there is actually a moment though that I love and it's probably one of my favorite parts of this entire run of comics is that um, Johnny Cage is fighting Baraka so of course Johnny Cage is Having like his arrogance, like showing off. Of he and says, Ro-
3: Oh, the makeup department. Yeah,
1: yep, yeah. yep. Yeah, he starts making fun of Baraka that he's like, you know, like basically a makeup department thing. And Baraka doesn't know what that is, but he's like, whatever, I'm going to slice you up and dice you up because my name is Baraka. That's just how he is. And. At one point, Johnny Cage actually, like, as they're fighting each other, they really do feel like that these two are, like, the bestest buddies ever. They just, they haven't admitted it to mm-hmm. each other because they love, like, talking trash to each other. And at one point, Johnny Cage, like, does the ball breaker hit on Baraka. And it just, he's unfazed at all. And then Johnny Cage is like, that was supposed to hurt. And Baraka's like, <laughs> and Baraka's like it didn't. <laughs> he just says it didn't. And just, and just continues slicing at him for no reason. And it just... Their fight is very short and brief. And actually, there's actually one point where they're fighting near Shang Tsung. And then Shang Tsung is like, he's trying to, he actually has the book and he's trying to concentrate, but Brock and Johnny oh, right, yeah. are, are like fighting right beside him. And then Shang Tsung is like, <laughs> I can't concentrate when you maggots are here. And both of them stop fighting and look at Shang Tsung and they're like, maggots? Yeah,
3: that was <laughs> like, my like, both favorite insulting. part. Yeah, it was they- so fucking Saturday morning cartoon where it was like, Shang Tsung's like, God damn it. We <laughs> gotta
1: concentrate.
3: Yeah. Me and Baraka's pissed off.
1: Yeah, and Baraka's pissed off because it's like, wait, did you just call me a MAGA? And Johnny's the same thing. And they're like, literally, like holding on to each other, fighting each other. And I'm just sitting here like, oh man, I want a Baraka Johnny Cage comic where they're just like playing off each other. That would be wonderful. That,
3: <laughs> boy, they seem to bounce off each other because if you recall in the uh, fucking Mortal Kombat Rebirth, Baraka and Johnny Cage fight.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but of course. With Tournament Edition, it, it like really there's honestly not too much to say. That whole thing is about the fights between certain characters and their interaction. It
3: literally is my least favorite thing Yeah, it literally it's the, is just like There's not much to fuck it, you, but, um, fuck you fight until uh the good part of it where Goro appears yeah. Good, and yeah, yeah, like, through,
1: Yeah, throughout like the end of Blood and Thunder and Tournament Edition, everybody's like Where's Goro? We don't know where the mighty Goro is. We have no idea. And then randomly, just out of nowhere, like, I think it, I think, like, when Barack and Johnny Cage are fighting and Shang Chung is pissed off at him, Shang Tsung just drops the book randomly somehow. Um, and Goro just randomly magically appears out of nowhere, like, out of nowhere. And it was right as Shang Sung solved the final riddle. Like, he solved it, but he didn't actually read the book after he solved it. He drops it at that point, and Goro just picks it up. He just comes in out of nowhere and says, Hi, I'm Mighty Goro. Oh, <laughs> look at this book. Oh, it's got this awesome spell in it. Hey, I'm going to read this spell. And then Mighty Goro becomes, like, the most amazing Goro ever. And he What can- do you
3: have that more people uh, than you use? Your name, and my name is... and Goro. To, to, to do the fucking third person like, my yep. name is goro and, yep. and just and,
1: and josh like you hit the nail on the head that's how dumb these riddles are because i believe the final order is what like w- like what do you have that like what do you have that someone uses more than you do or some or yeah, something like that My name. yeah even
3: even a child can answer that even goro knows <laughs> yeah
1: and then yep and then goro <laughs> says it and he gains the power and for like the briefest of seconds like he's like kicking everybody's ass. And then Raiden is like, well, shit. And Shang Tsung is like, well, shit. And then they look shit. at each other and they're like, yeah, we should probably like stop this or something and they're all in their own like third person, first Once person. Once again, way. a
3: precursor to what would happen later in the games because Shang Tsung and Raiden do team up at the beginning of fucking deception to try and stop Anaga. Yep. And. and- and yeah. they,
1: and they reluctantly team up. And apparently, what I love about this is that Shang Tsung had the power to remove the ultimate power of this book like the whole time. I mean, I yeah, just I re- don't
3: understand how this fucking works. They team up, and Goro's like, "What, master? No!" And Shang Tsung just. Takes the power? I don't know how that works.
1: Yeah, like, because apparently Shang Tsung is like, yeah, Goro is loyal to me now, but once he knows how much power he truly has, he'll turn on me. He'll turn on Shao Kahn. It'll be bad. Absolute power
3: corrupts. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, so they're like, you know what? We should take this from him. Goro's not worthy of this. So Raiden and Shang Tsung are like, okay, fine. We'll team up. We'll seal it back in the book and we'll throw the book away or something. So that's exactly what they do. They just team up and Goro, unfortunately, it looks like he's being unfortunately, I guess you could say like, molested by Shang Tsung's power.
3: Yeah, (laughs) he was like, why why are you
1: doing this to me, Master? (laughs) Like, Master, why? I was so loyal to you. Don't take this power away from me. I earned
0: it for you. No. No.
1: (laughs) And The entire time, I'm just sitting here thinking, like, poor Goro. He just, like, got whisked away, had to fight the god of chaos and then got a gap from the god of order. (laughs) Defeated a Terminator version of himself and decided he didn't want to fight anymore. And then he just gets teleported back into Outworld, gets a book, gets ultimate power anyway. He's feeling good. He's high on life. And then Shang Tsung is like, uh, yeah, no. No, sorry, Goro, no.
3: No, (laughs)
1: And Too takes and, ta- and like and takes his power away, like a parent taking away a child's candy.
3: <laughs> Which like, I still don't know how that, that. How did he take his power away? Shankson? Shang son had the power,
1: power the whole time. He could have taken it away at any point. Doesn't matter who had it, but apparently he had to take it away from Goro. And I'm just like, but if you could do that, Shang Sun, why did you even want it? You have the power to take it away. Why do
3: you even want the power? It just it makes he wants to fucking defeat Shao Kahn and yeah. become the ultimate ruler of everything.
1: Yeah, dude, it makes no sense. And then after Goro gets defeated or whatever, the comic kind of ends on like a note of like Raiden saying, yeah, guys, we won. Now let's go fight this tournament that's been delayed for this long. Yeah,
3: that's... No, it doesn't even end in that. It just ends in them back on the boat. And, like, MK2 characters are mingling of MK1 characters on the leaky boat and... Kano's in handcuffs, and they're like, "Boy, I'm glad we're done with that." And then Shang Tsung's like, "We're gonna do Mortal Kombat again." So basically, is tournament edition? Uh, it'd be nice if there's some tournament, yeah, in tournament I, edition. Yeah, but it's, there like
1: isn't. it's just it's almost just almost basic-
3: every fucking MK media besides the '95 movie. Doesn't fucking feature a tournament. Yeah. There's no tournament here.
1: It's not, Yeah, they it, just embrace the chaos. It becomes like... They embrace the, it, the chaos. It, yeah, it becomes the burly brawl from Matrix 2, but it's Mortal Kombat.
3: It literally is. It's, everyone just says, fuck you, and fights, and then we're done, <laughs> and then everyone's back on the boat. Yeah. But
1: luckily, like, after Tournament Edition is over, the final comic run we'll get into is Raiding Kano, and that's just, one, and of those, that's just Which, one of those, that's just one of those, like... Runs where it's like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if Raiden and Kano teamed up because they have absolutely no reason at all to team up? But let's make a comic of it anyway. And That's
3: they... another one I remember reading as a kid and only reading issue one. Uh, and it's funny to note, like, we wanted to include it in this episode because it deals with MK1 characters. But in fact, it comes much later. It was published much later in all this because it was in the middle of the MK2 storyline run called Battle Wave. Uh, which I thought I had read, but it turns out all of my memories of it were actually, like, snippets from Prince of Pain uh, that featured MK2 characters. So I have no idea what to expect for that. But uh, Caden and Rayno... D- Caden and Rayno. <laughs> um, it was a nice little side story just of MK1 characters uh, uh, about a what-if that I remember as a kid being like, oh, hey, wow, Rick... Re- Kano's really being like, hey, let's be a good guy. But, of course, Kano has to always be a son of a bitch.
1: Yeah, and pretty much, like, I actually give this comic credit because, like, throughout the whole storyline, you know, it's actually kind of cool because it's dumb, but it's cool at the same time because there's... A, sadly, it's an, it's kind of another MacGuffin hunt because Shao Kahn... It. Uh, it's not shang Shun this time, it's Shao Kahn. He's like... Hey, I'm Shao Kahn. I'm cool. I'm, like, the greatest guy, like, ever. And, funny enough, they actually make Shao Kahn a bit more down-to-earth. He's not, like, this, you know, all-powerful evil ruler who wants to, like, blow up the ocean or something like that. He has like some that. very
3: humiliating uh, frames where he's, like, at his lowest power and he looks very... Hu-
1: yeah, really. Yeah, he really kind of does, but... There's apparently... The MacGuffin in this story is this blade. Like this sword mm. that apparently this ancient knight used. Um, and then he, the only way that this blade gains power is if it's wielded by someone who's evil. But the blade sucks the evil out of you over time or something. Is that the
3: story of it? Uh,
1: yeah, or something like that. It's an
3: evil blade that is, can only be used by evil people. I just remember that that first shot... So the way I like loved how Raiden was portrayed in Blood and Thunder, is differentiated here because Raiden here looks like 200 percent more buff. But that first shot of him holding the the blade, whatever it's called, the the, God, I need, I need to open up my comic. But that first shot of him wielding the blade and he's like got biceps bigger than my head. Yeah. Um, looks so badass.
1: Yeah. It's actually pretty cool like especially if you're a Kano fan and the only reason why is that this person I'm not a
3: Kano fan but the,
1: well this ancient person who wielded this blade actually has ties to the Black Dragons which is why right. which is there which is Raiden excuse for why he went after Kano to like recruit which, which, him to get this which may or
3: may not be canon there there there's some legacy to the Black Dragon which was brought up in uh Mortal Kombat Conquest probably in the games I don't know if this is quite loyal to canon or not
1: Yeah But, um, but at the same time, man, like this whole comic is, you know, what, like in concept, it's a lot of fun, but probably my least favorite thing about it is that one, the art was done by this, uh, by this Kiki person whose last name I'm not going to be pronounce So unfortunately the art is mostly terrible, but my favorite thing about it, my
3: my favorite thing. I'm looking at the comic now that, that, that shot in like page two of, of Raiden wielding the blade and he's like buff as fuck.
1: Yeah, but the and, art's ter- Josh. The art's terrible. I'm just. I gonna don't t- know, dude. No, it's, it's ter- There is no. <laughs> oh, and, I don't know, and, and Josh. The it's
3: it's, it's bad. The, the, the Ebon Rule, uh, is what it's called. I don't know what the fuck that sounds like, but it's just this shot of Raiden who's Rob Liefeld buff, and it's just like he looks angry as fuck, and he's wielding this ancient blade called the Ebon Rule, and I don't know. It looks epic as fuck. I dig it.
1: Uh I, I wasn't a fan of it because I know how I know how facials mu- facial muscles work. but I will say to give this artist credit, they didn't do nearly as much cross hatching in this. It actually seems like their art style evolved a little bit. so like in later issues, that it feels like that they're still drawing horribly, but they're not doing as much bubbles and crosshatches on clothes and crap. So, it, so the colorist is able to kind of work around it, and it looks a little better—not by much, but it is a improvement. But mm. one thing we should address, Josh, is. Um, Raiden's apparently like little harem that he has and it's like his, his little <laughs> temple. I wouldn't which...
3: call it a harem. It just, it's just his assistance. It's like uh two face in Batman and Robin or Batman forever. It, it's a uh, salt and pepper
1: a little bit, but yeah, like, you know, Raiden trance, like basically like uh, sends his little minions after Kano to take him to his temple. And of course they're two, you know, heavily sexualized, scantily clad Asian women And they go by the wondrous original names of wind and rain.
3: (laughs) With a Y, not an I.
1: (laughs) yeah, Yeah, with Y, not an I. Because, of course, they go by wind and rain. And, of course, Kano, being the wonderful human being that he is, is like, oh beautiful women come to kidnap me and then he, and then they're trying to be all nice they're like hey would you like some tea or wait for raiden and then kano's like yeah why don't you come over here and drink with me and we can get to know each other a little better
3: <laughs> and that's kano.
1: yeah because it's kano and of course they get offended but i just like the idea that apparently like while raiden's doing his obnoxious godly power thing or whatever um you know, uh, <laughs> wind and rain attend to his like, you know, minion desires or something. It's like really, really funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, they they just decide like, hey, you know what, we need we need to go find this blade and Raiden like drops Kano off in Outworld somewhere, and it just so happens that he just finds the blade on the floor. It's just there.
2: It's just Does <laughs> <laughs> that what what a, Yeah it, the thing is, like he in the begin in the beginning of the comic, uh, Raiden forges it because he used it before and he hid it so that no mortal could no he one didn't hide it very well. It. But then he figured, well, he he's the one who brought it out and he gave it to uh, Kano. He's after He's coming explains, out like, and his better origin. get the party started. <laughs> <laughs> so he he explains the whole origin of like you know. The, draxon the black dragon and then can who is like i guess is ken the predecessor of kano or obviously both, uh, like ancestor? this is like
3: the it's been retconned in the games but obviously black dragon has an ancient story and in this case it's represented in this guy named khan or kane or khan or harry the fuck to pronounce him some dude some dude that has a... Hey, guess what? He has a black yeah. eye patch just like yeah. Kano was. Of course right. he does. He's like a Kano predecessor. Yeah.
2: But I love that... I love that he was working with an actual... Yeah. Right. right. I do think that's actually... I do actually think that's, that's kind of
1: fun. And then while all this is going... But yeah, like, last, Josh, I just remember reading the comic and, like, Kano just gets transported into the living forest area. Oh!
3: Right. He just wakes up after a dream. I I, I want to mention this. And
1: even the trees are like, you're a stranger here. No one knows who you are. Like, what are you doing here? And then he, like, picks up the blade off the ground, and they're like, oh, you're actually able to wield this thing. That's pretty cool. Like, we totally respect you
2: now, bro. How's, like, what's up? (laughs) Well, I forgot that part. Well, here's the thing. He, in issue one, Raiden gives Kano the blade and says, we're going to go to Outworld, and he flies through a portal. And then once, once they get to Outworld, like Raiden starts getting in pain and drops Kano, and then Raiden explodes while Kano is falling. And then, yeah, the something of- happens and Raiden gets like decimated uh, uh, ends up being. And then he, and then he, yeah, issue two starts, I believe it's issue two starts with him in that dream where he, where, um, who was it? Who those uh, those two? Oh, J- uh, Jackson! No, no, no. Uh, that's what I was going to mention. Is the like...
3: first episode because the first episode Kano wakes up in Raiden's palace from a dream where he basically, it, yeah, right. yeah, sorry, yeah. I got that that's experience. what I wanted to highlight because, like, it's basically like, wow, this is Kano's fucking life. Is he's dreaming that he's hunting down Kano or uh Jackson Sonya. <laughs> And they got done saying like Kano just assaulted a whole special forces troop single-handedly, and like even Jack says like, I gotta tell you, Sonya, I'm afraid of him. And then he gets to kill them both single-handedly. It's just like the biggest wet dream for Kano. <laughs> and he wakes up and is like, Oh hey, it's just another day of Kano. Oh boy, I sure wish I could kill Kano and Sherrod. Dude, Jax and d- Sonya.
1: dude Dude, I forgot about the dream like where Kano totally kills Jackson Sonya. That's great. It's
3: literally just Kano's wet dream. Yeah. Uh number twenty 20- hundred and one.
1: Yeah, or something like that. And it was <laughs> pretty really funny. Yeah. But I, I definitely like the fact that when Kano was wielding the blade, like the trees like the trees are like, Oh, you know, wow, like like, we should totally respect you, dude, because you're, like, wielding, like, this blade of power. And then Reptile just comes out of nowhere, and Kano's like, who's this? And even the trees are like, oh, you must be new here. Like, how how could you not know this, like, this dude? He's around here all the time. And his rept They're like, oh, it's Reptile. So even the trees are like, oh, yeah, hey, Reptile, what's up, bro? <laughs>
3: what's up, bro? Just goes to say, like, the, the, the comics did show, like, a lot more of the outworld inhabitants, because I think this is more in Blood and Thunder. There were a lot more mutants. With, you know, googly-eyed motherfuckers and shokan looking motherfuckers.
1: I, I will know. say that I will say that right yeah. afterwards, Reptiles six like minions on Kano to take the blade, and Kano has a lot of internal monologue where he actually feel while he's wounding the blade like it's different. So they sort of hint in the comic that the blade sucks evil out of people because it's an evil blade. So is that what it is? I don't a, know you a little bit. I in, read this,
3: like, last week. in theory,
1: yeah, part of the reading. reason why Raiden chose Kano is because Kano's an evil dude, and he the thinking was is that whoever wields the blade over time becomes a better human being or something. He was
3: thinking back. He was thinking back no, no, to no. The, the guy Khan or Kane or whatever who you know overthrew the original Emperor of Outworld, who it might be interesting to note seems to be a precursor to the, the fucking game mythology of Onaga. Um, It's like the fucking Dragon King. But he's basically being like, in the past, a bad guy was able to take the blade and defeat the Emperor of Outworld. Maybe history could be, repeat itself.
2: The thing is like, the thing that uh, how, from what I can tell, the way the blade works is that uh, it becomes more powerful if an evil man turns good like if if someone like Kano starts doing good things the blade becomes more powerful interesting so I think what it was is that Raiden saw potential in Kano because of Kan or Khan from back in the day so he said if he can become good he can wield this sword and it'll become more powerful he'll become powerful so that was his line of thinking okay and Mm. can I be honest with you even though it was weird, I was like, oh, Kano's actually going to become
3: a good guy? <laughs> yeah. Is he yeah,
2: actually no. going to take out yeah, no. Shao Kahn? Yeah, no. <laughs> no, he, he immediately gives the the, the, the sword to Shao Kahn. That's why I dug is, it, because I remember,
3: I, like, once again, as a kid, I only read part of it. So I only read this issue, the first issue. And I even, even as a kid, I was like, oh, wow, Kano's like, you know, Raiden's showing him, and Kano's like, Shao Kahn can't do this. He can't take over the world. I'm like, wow, Kano has a heart, but I'm like, how are they going to explain this in the later, uh, you know, storyline that you know something's got to come to a head. And now, reading it now completely, I'm like, oh, of course, Kano turns that. Just, just like in the 2021 movie, where I was like happy with Kano becoming kind of like one of the dudes. No, they got to do a thing where he becomes an asshole.
0: <laughs>
3: yeah, but the thing that I love most about this comic is that
2: you know he becomes evil, and Shao Kahn. As promise gives him, gives him part of his power, yeah. so that he could become
1: as and what, powerful as. And, and what we get, like as end. a result, which I, I have the image in my head, and it's funny. We basically get like a Dragon Ball Z fight between Raiden and Kano, because Kano actually less, has, yeah, pretty much. Raiden, pretty much.
3: Kano can fly through the air and be a god. <laughs> yep,
1: and it, it,
2: it's just pretty it's, much. So it's, then,
1: like, dude, it's just good. funny because even Raiden's like, oh, so you're betraying me? And even Raiden's like, I figured you would. But I had hope, but I guess not. Okay, let's fight. They just go at it.
2: But what I love, I love that moment where he's like, he's like, you knew who I was. If you can see into people's souls, you should have known that I was going to betray you. He's like, no, I knew. I'm not an idiot. But I just, I had hope that you would turn good. And he's like, really? And he's like, yeah. He's like, well, that would have been nice. And then he throws him through a portal. And then... Uh, Shao shout like, <laughs> idiot. I almost had, like, I was, you had weakened him. I was about to get my power back. I was going to kill Raiden finally. And he threw him through a portal. He's like, oh, dude, I'm so sorry about <laughs> that. And then and then Raiden, and then Raiden comes uh, is back in the portal. And I, I guess what the thing is that he, I guess he did a good favor to him. He he basically yeah, saved Raiden's Because he's
3: not that much of an asshole. He wasn't going to kill him. But like, I'll just throw you out of this realm.
2: And then, you know, there's a whole thing with, like, a balance or whatever. Yeah, that like last page really
3: got me. Because, like, Raiden being very unhappy with him being able to fulfill, you know, the, the keeping the balance thing. And I also love, yeah. like, just mm-hmm. the image of Raiden, very buff-looking, sitting, and very displeased. And just, like, swatting away the tea from wind and rain, like, his servants. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like, like, ugh! <laughs> yeah, he's no. very disgruntled douchebag douche
1: it's sort Raiden, of like it's right it, now. It, sort, it sort of ties in the yeah. fact that yeah, Raiden is supposed to be like the architect of all of this to try and like keep everybody focused on the goal, like recruiting people and trying to like keep
3: order and balance. No, it's like but, a conflict about him. It's like yeah, he wants to go against the gods, the other gods who are indifferent. He wants to try and like tip things, but yeah, he but, can't. He, yeah, but he's, do
0: it. yeah,
1: but he yeah, but he he keeps messing up, and he and most of the time we're all wondering like Raiden, are you are you an asset or are you a burden at this point? Because you it, mess it's up just more like than what you has solved. become
3: the meme. He's the blunder god. He can't fucking do anything right. (laughs) Up to the fucking nether realm games, he can't do anything right. He's a fucking blunder god.
2: Yeah. I hope they hope they keep him up with them. I got a I got
3: a question. So when
2: Raiden (laughs) blows up when they get into
3: Outworld.
2: Was that was that a fake thing by no Like did Raiden do that so that uh yeah, Shao, Shao Kahn did.
3: had some sort of fucking force field or whatever, and he was able to overcome Raiden. From my understanding, like Raiden didn't plan that; that was Shao Kahn. Okay, because you notice when huh. Raiden's able to come back, he's wearing his MK two uniform. So is I was about to say why has he got, he got a new look? Change?
1: Yeah, he's um <laughs> he he cut his hair,
2: actor change everything. Hair.
3: <laughs> yeah, same thing. It's like. It,
2: I love the, I love the look of them. And I do cool. too,
3: because like it took such a uh, simple design, and just added just a little flourish. Just hey, let's give him a blue tunic thing. Hey, it fucking works. But yeah, it's fun. Far- um, oh, yeah, I don't know.
2: Ahead. I I'm I'm torn if I like which
3: one I like better. This or I kind from, of uh, didn't of like this. Like hmm. I do and I don't like. I love how badass Raiden looks in the first issue with holding the. Whole, the, the whatever the fuck that stupid blade is called but uh as it went on evan rule yeah Rool. uh evan, i don't know yeah. and like wind and rain are so fucking generic i don't know I, I was i remember i mean we also got i also <laughs> i also kind of like got surprised when uh, oh Smoking i forget Jade, yeah i wanted yeah, to Smoking mention Jader that, in like, that comic too. what the fuck too. is that all about uh, obviously, it's before they, they their actual characters were developed in the later games, but it's just like okay, they're the two secret characters, so they're in gahoots. So hey, smoke, hey my friend, we're going to fuck this up. Oh, we're not. <laughs> and then Kano becomes superpower. Yeah. That's and they're, fucking dip.
0: Yeah, and
1: they're, they, yeah, <laughs> they're so just stupid. like okay, we're done, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah I think, that was. So I, think, I, I think I'll still give it to Gore, Prince of Pain, just because like. Kano we kind of know about, but Goro really rarely ever gets any sort of, like, a spotlight of character development. And it really was, like Josh said, the least Mortal Kombat thing about any of the comics, which is why it worked. Like, we get, like, we get stupidity on deck, and it's just a lot of fun. We, We get Order and Chaos Sorcerers and Terminator, uh, Terminator Goro with, uh... With, like, a splash of Jackson and Baraka and Goro gets a gat. I mean, like, I don't see how you'd find that not fun.
3: I definitely enjoy Prince of Pain the most. If I only wish that they could have done something more fleshed out from the three issues they had. Without yeah, I building I wish it was more stupid, Let's give something Goro to fight and stupid shit. I don't know. I, I think I like the, this the character. The Reign of Kano? Because, like... It's definitely hmm. my second
1: favorite, yeah. for sure.
3: Just just, because, to be, like, just to be mentioned, too, that came out much later... Uh, we, we, we opted to include it because it involves Mortal Kombat 1 characters, but it's actually around when the Battle Wave, MK2 storyline was going on. But, so, um, maybe that has something to say about, like, you know, how they developed how to describe, you know, write the characters, but.
2: I just, I just like it because, like, it is the least, uh, the least likely duo. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's a great thing, yeah, Raiden and Kano. Like, why would you put them in a combo together? And then, I don't know, I, maybe I was just, like, wasn't thinking about it. And I just, for some reason, I
3: was like, oh, maybe he was turning yeah, good. Yeah, that almost guy. makes he it disappointing like, for them to be like, oh, no, LOL. Of course, Kano. Uh,
2: yeah, but then he gets, like, you know, Goku. <laughs> starts, like, fighting Raiden. I was like, I'm like, you know what, this is dope. And then I, the best part is that how frustrated Shao Kahn was at him when he threw him in the war. Not it's like an idiot! I don't know, something about, like, <laughs> yeah, like, that kind of stuff was like, okay, I kind of like doing 'cause because, like, the Goro stuff was really fun and ridiculous with combatant and, and Gatling Gun and all that stuff. But, I don't know, something about, like, I don't know, something about this comic was just, like, it was just ridiculous enough to make me, like, really into it and just really, mm, yeah for some reason. I don't
3: know. Boy, maybe I need to reread that again. Also, I would never really liked Goro. I like Goro him. because he's a character you could misinterpret as a big, dumb brute, but in everything he's been portrayed in, he's also well-spoken and smart, from the 95 movie to Prince of Pain. He's like, True. he likes killing, he likes beating people, but he's also, you know, he's well-spoken, He's he's got a vocabulary.
1: Yeah, he's, he's regal. Regal. Yeah, and he, regal. And he's also a prince, remember, he's royalty. Yes, he is a
3: prince. Oh, oh, fuck, I lost it. I had I, the thing, like, in the Tobias comic and the the fuck, give me a minute. I'm gonna fucking find it. He is a realm of something other than Shokan.
2: Uh, random thing while well, you look for that one. Random thing that I'm just I don't understand why they did it. Is that in these in a lot of these comics when they show uh, Scorpion
3: fighting, he has like a ball. Yeah, from. I don't know why yeah, they did yeah, that. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's true. I never, I never got that either. But he does actually say, "Get over here!" like hey, I think Yeah, of a few
3: course. Times. Of course he fucking says get over here. But yeah, I don't know why they just decided to make it a ball of chain. It's,
2: like yeah, ma- it's like a base, right? Like a base. Maybe it's on because a it's
3: a PG thirteen comic and they didn't want to portray a harpoon. That's garbage. They have swords yes, all over but them. But I mean like Scorpion's whole thing judges. is no, like the harpoon <laughs> They have cats. <laughs> but I mean I the whole thing is Scorpion's harpoon impales into your chest. And maybe they didn't want to. They didn't want to figure out how to portray that in the PG thirteen manner. So they just said, "Let's make it a mace." I don't know. I that, I, I, I That's do find really that strange. Weird. That's like the biggest of all the things. That is the biggest departure. Is <laughs> giving Scorpion a mace so weird? Yeah. Uh, let's see if I can goddamn fucking mm-hmm. find it. I know I got it. Uh, Scorp or fucking. Goro says sure. he's from some realm, and it's not Shokan, it's something else. Uh,
2: while you look for that, uh, Jay, is there anything else you want to point um, out with the comics? Like,
3: what is your overall
2: So, so at least as far
1: time? as my overall thoughts, I actually had a ton of fun with these. I mean, granted, bad art, like bad art aside, this was a fun... I guess you yeah. could say, like, deep dive into the comics, which most of these I'd never read before. Uh, I remember reading, like, bits bits and pieces of Prince of Pain, like, God, long time ago, but my memory's so hazy, I forgot most of the story. I just knew it existed. So, rereading it and rereading all these other comics was a great trip down memory lane because it reminded me a little bit about what it was like to actually go into some store in the early nineties and pick up a comic book and read it with all the art, all the terrible dialogue and all this fun stuff. Um, It actually brought back some memories and I can safely say I was giddy throughout most of my experience reading these comics, just because the dialogue, the art styles and the fun storylines and just the expansion of lore on MK as a whole. Um, I actually can't wait to do part two of uh, part two of this podcast where we dive into the other comics that um, exist after this, because we couldn't do it all in one episode.
3: Yeah, uh, which... Uh, yeah. I can't fucking find the Goro thing. I'm gonna fucking say... I literally had it, like, fucking 40 minutes ago, but we went on to something else, so I'm not even gonna fucking bother. It's not important. But what is important <laughs> is that uh, we are gonna talk about... We just talked about uh, Blood and Thunder, Rain of Kano, Prince of Pain. Uh, there's so much Mortal Kombat comics shit to talk about that, you know... We'll save the next phase for in the future, which would encompass Battle Wave, which is a MK Two uh, story uh, focused thing, and its uh, tied in side comics, which would include like a, a one shot of Melina and Katana. There's a Special Forces one, uh, and then eventually we'll get to MKX, which is like the the canon comics, uh, and I read a few of them, and so. But that that'll be a a long journey through printed Mortal Kombat media. Yeah, it'll definitely be. What a lot, did
1: um of arts, um yeah. you seen? What did you think uh, about the comics? Since I know this was the first time you read most
3: of these. Oh, was it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I've I've I read a I think I read the Tobias one maybe like mm. five or six years ago, something like that. So I remember that one, but all the other really? ones I had no Dude. idea. I've never heard it. I never I never. Heard of these comics, I never seen them on store story Damn, really? back in the day. really? Because, like,
3: this is the biggest yeah. nostalgia trip for me. Uh, even though, like, I only read one yeah. issue of about each, like, you know, storyline. But, like, filling in the rest was was nice. But, like, yeah, I read issue three of Blood and Thunder. I've read issue one of both Kano and Raiden. Uh, mm-hmm. Raiden and Kano. No, and I mean Kano not. And, Raiden. Um, and Prince of Pain. <laughs> um, and then filled in the rest. But...
2: I mean, like I've said before, I am the lore oh, yeah. here. Like, I don't know much about the lore outside of, like, the movies and the recent games. I'm, I'm the lore priest. So I... I, I'm keeper <laughs> of the lore. <laughs> so, getting into these comics is a lot of fun. Um, I def like, Blood and Thunder definitely was one of those comics that just kind of mm. dragged and kind of lost the point. Yeah, I'll
3: even admit that.
2: Um but I love the character the character focused ones like Goro and Raiden Kanan and Raido. <laughs> um, Kaden and Raido. Um, I, those ones are a lot of fun and because it's like especially like you know Kano I was I mean Kano's just Kano but it was cool seeing him like kind of have his own even at the end the very end have a little bit of show a little spark of like ah, something yeah. good in him you know. And then Goro you know seeing him react to certain things and you know learn a bit more about him it's just it was it was cool diving into a lot of these characters and seeing where a lot of the lore that we know about now kind of started and where like or like where the initial ideas were before it kind of evolved yeah. to what it is today um so i i had a lot of fun with it i can't wait to do more cuz i know like the next Block that we're going to do is going to have a Kung Lao, like,
3: yeah. Uh, sort of one. Dude, I have, thing. N- I have no idea really... what to expect from the Battle Wave and then the Kung Lao and Makana, Makana, Katana Molina uh, things because I had thought I read those as a kid, but rereading this stuff now, hmm. I'm like, oh no, that was just my memories of Prince of Pain and stuff where they introduced MK2 yeah. characters. I've never read anything Correct. of the stuff we're about to read.
1: I'll be curious uh, to see. Yeah, yeah, it is. I'll be curious to see if Charles Marshall wrote like a whole bunch of these. <laughs> I hope well, he did. I hope he did I too, hope, because all Josh like, hopes he did. Yeah, because like most of the because most of these <laughs> are under like the Malibu line, um, <laughs> so it's very mm. possible that yes, you know, the Charles Marshall wrote you know these comics because Josh says he did. So,
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I I for the most part enjoyed seeing these characters in these comics and you know like you said despite some of the art and I just take it back to like you know some art is just not for it's it's subjective so some art is just not for everybody and it is also 25 years ago so art style was very different Um, but there was a lot of cool art in this still like I I thought there was a lot of cool stuff in here I enjoyed it I had a lot of fun with it I can't wait to dive into
3: it same for me too Oh uh, shit! Are we getting to the end already? I was gonna, I was asking if you had any oh, final no. thoughts. Uh, just or... that um, I had a nice revisit to my childhood with the issues that I do remember reading, mm-hmm. and then with everything else that I filled in, it was excessively stupid. Uh, but yeah, uh, I had a good time. um uh, and 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 Prince of Pain uh, is cool. my favorite, and I actually as, as we're done recording this, I want to go back and reread it. Because uh, it, it's 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 such an offshoot from the regular Mortal Kombat formula. I love I love Zagat. Yeah. and Rook. Yep. Zagat
1: and Rook are the best. Mm-hmm. I definitely feel like in this comic run of what we read so far, um, Kano and Goro are the MVP characters because mm-hmm. they yep. obviously got the most screen time and you know the I guess the the best
2: semblance of character development
1: throughout all this.
2: Yeah, I will agree with that. Uh so yeah, uh that is our MK Comics Part One podcast. Um a little peek behind the curtain. Um we are doing this a bit out of order. So uh as of right now, uh Mortal Kombat Battle of the Realms hasn't come out yet. Uh it'll come out. Fucking in time the travel, few days. dude. It's coming out uh, tomorrow, so, which is actually yesterday. Right. So so if you haven't yeah, check out our review, which is the episode before this, and the next episode. Sneak peek into that. We are going to watch and talk about the journey mm-hmm. begins. As far as cr- Cringe that media. should be fun because even though I have it, like because it's part of the Mortal right. Kombat 95 Blu-ray, I've never actually watched. I've it never watched it, it
3: at all. I've watched five seconds of it. I've seen it. clips, I've but I've never actually seconds watched it. Of Johnny Cage puking over the ship. Yeah, bow. That's it. That's it. <laughs> so, so that's gonna be fun because yeah, I mean I
2: I uh, listen to uh, MK Podquest talk mm. about it, and
3: it sounds yeah. like a trip. That's so. that's the one thing like I'm uh, looking uh, forward to. Anything that too. that's badly made. We can at least enjoy. It. I think that's the most badliest made thing that I've avoided all this time. And maybe it's not it's now time to face my fears. You must face your fears. Katana says. Yes. You know? And you should do it. Face your enemy. Yeah. Yes. You that it brings
1: life. So drink some water during it. Okay. I'm
3: gonna. Uh, I'll drink some water. I Always do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: but uh, yeah, uh, that is our podcast. Uh, until next time. Take it away. Josh, oh yeah. Take it away. Um, let's see if I can like word this right. Um, but you know, considering we're talking about the the Tao Te Zan, uh, there's actually another riddle uh, that Shang Tsung and Raiden and everyone else hadn't solved yet. Oh God. And that is what is ugly and symmetrical but when amorphous is attractive? What is it? On
2: a Rubik's Cube?
3: It's your fucking face after I beat it in.
2: <laughs> okay. Oh, God. God. Outstanding. Thanks for listening to the podcast. You can follow us on both
3: Twitter and Instagram at Combat time Pod, and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Podcast. You can also email us at combattimepodcast
1: at gmail.com if you have any questions you'd like us to answer on the show. See you next
3: time. The Mortal Kombat continues.
0: Get over here!